And now, from our studios in Kansas City, Sci-Fi For Me Radio is live from the bunker. All right, here we go, ladies and gentlemen. It is uh, showtime. For you, that is. Hip, 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 hip. Here we go. My name is Jason Hunt. I am the editor here at SciFiFrame.com. Welcome, everybody. We are live from the bunker. Bunker 2.0. If y'all have been with us for a very long time, you've seen Bunker 1.0. This is Bunker 2.0. And coming in 2024, we have plans and schemes. (coughs) We are live, which means the chat widget is open. If you are with us live, you can join in the chat. If you are here in replay mode, you can still leave a comment and share your thoughts. Uh, You can find us on social media. If you are listening to us as a podcast on the Sci-Fi For Me radio network, uh, I don't know. Do podcast players players have comment functions? Can you comment on a podcast? I don't don't listen to podcasts. is Is it possible to do that? I don't think so. We do have a uh, for those of you who are listening as a podcast. We have an email address you can you can send us feedback live from the bunker at sci-fi4me.com. Uh and not just those of you who are listening to the podcast. Anybody can send us feedback using that email address. Uh and of course, there is always the Discord where you can join conversations and it's been kind of quiet over there. We've got people over there. There are people in the Discord, but there's not a whole lot of conversations happening. In the Discord, so we need to we need to up our game there. All right, <laughs> couple of things real quick. Excuse me while I while I die on the air. That's 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 not a good way to get ratings. No, um, uh, at least not repeat ratings. <laughs> so I see in the chat we got Keely's here, Death Angel Shadows here, Cam's here, Weatherman's here, David's here, Michael's here, and Dave uh, and Sci-Fi Snob is here. Uh, David's asking, is that clock connected to an to an NTP time server? Um, I'm not sure which clock you're asking about, Glenn. If you're if you're asking about any of these clocks back here, no, they're not connected to any server. They're just battery operated uh, clocks. Different. These are our different time zone clocks for the for the news aspect of things. Um, and David says, two days in a row, Sci-Fi for Me is back. We've we've been here all five days this week. So we'll see how long that lasts. We have we're we're in the process of, of surviving our fifth day back. I guess you could say. I don't know. Mrs. Boss over there, uh, offering her two cents every now and again. Mmm. It's talking about the one in front of me. I see. Um, no, it is not connected to any server. It's um, it's just, yeah, it is a minute. This is it's just me pushing the button to program the clock. So yeah, it's it's a little off. I gotta I gotta reset it. 
So anyway, it is Open Line Friday, and for those of you who do not, who have not been here before, you're not familiar with how this works. It's similar to all of the rest of the talk radio shows and the talk shows that you would normally experience, some kind of an Open Line Friday, Freedom Friday, Free Speech Friday, whatever, where we have the host generally picks the topics throughout the week, and then we get to Friday, and I turn over the show to you. We have we have the various different uh, ways you could call in uh, to the show and then uh, speak your mind, ask your questions, sound off on the various different things that we've talked about over the week. Uh, or if you've got something new that you want to, to talk about, we can do that too. I, I do have a couple of things, uh, requests, I guess, uh, that you keep it on topic, which... Science fiction, fantasy, horror, or um, uh, and I'm trying to push a button here to turn this, this these alerts off the sound. Oh, there we go. All right. So keep it PG thirteen or better. So no f bombs, please. And uh, science fiction, fantasy, horror. Those are the two things, and you don't necessarily. It, it's a three hour show. <clears throat> and I and I am pretty sure that we're not going to have a bunch of people call in that we have to worry about how long you're on, but you don't have to be on the entire three hours. You can be on however long you know, what uh, you know. Make your point and and be on and have some discussion and whatnot. But those that's the that's how the open line thing works. And given our track record with call in shows with the call in hours, I will tell you there's a there's a possibility there's a chance that open line friday as a three-hour call-in program could go away because not a whole lot of people are calling in and if we have i'm i'm doing a big push for guests uh we got guest lines up for next week i've got guests scheduled all the way into march uh, not every day, every week, but I'm starting to, that calendar is starting to fill up. And if I can, if I can free up Friday for interviews, then that's another possibility for me to add more to the uh, to the programming here. If we're not going to get a bunch of people calling in, which is fine. I mean, you don't have to call in. We don't have to do this as an open line session or anything like that. We can just keep going. Uh, we just keep going with like open line on the third hour and just do it that way. I'm fine with that. So it's whatever you as an audience want to do as far as your level of participation here. But this is the this is the the show, this is the day where it's mostly all you. Now I do have a couple of things that I want to get to here first. Let me let me first of all give a shout out to people who are listening as a podcast. Uh, we got listeners in Germany, in Poland, in Russia, in China. Uh, and good to have all of you uh, with us. It is cold outside. And for those of you who are in Florida, ran across this uh, this morning, and I want to just do my public service here. Mrs. Boss, are you ready for this? Because I don't know if you're familiar with this, because this is a very important public service announcement here. Um Watch out 
for falling iguanas, ladies and gentlemen. All right, so in Florida, as the cold air hits, uh, the iguanas that live in Florida that are in the trees could be falling on you because they go into shock. They're not dead, but um, but they they look like it. They're stunned, and so they're falling out of the trees. <laughs> And onto the ground and not moving, and it's uh, it's apparently a thing. So if you're in Florida, and, and especially if you're not familiar with any of this, if you're in Florida and you see a, an iguana on the ground, it's probably it's probably not dead. Maybe mostly dead, slightly dead, not all dead. So anyway, uh, it is uh, January nineteenth. January 19th. Oh, somebody has a birthday today. I have to make a call. It is also National Popcorn Day. And if you have uh, seen over on Instagram, we also posted it to Twitter, uh, office dogs uh, waiting impatiently for their popcorn. We posted it on Instagram this morning. Uh, It is National Popcorn Day. It's also Good Memory Day. So you could share a good... Today is the day you share a good memory. Mrs. Boss, do you have any good memories of, uh, of us? So they're talking about having memories or having a memory. Uh, it's, it's good memory day. Well... Like, we fail with memory. Uh, we always forget things. Uh, well, I guess we forget things. It's... Um, oh, were you trying to see if I, I was if, having a good memory on when we met or... No, I mean, if you have a good memory. It doesn't have to be about me. Oh, okay, good. But uh, Snob asked, don't dogs die if you, if you feed them popcorn? No. Uh, they haven't yet. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> They've eaten enough. Uh, free iguanas, just pick them up off the ground. Well, you know, hey, if you're going to, you know, if you, need a, if you need a pet, maybe. Uh, if a person lives here, sci-fi sound again. If a person lives in a fantasy world, it's a horror show and has sci-fi in their name. Can we spend the three hours talking about themselves? Uh, sure, I guess. Chronos uh, Godweisen, uh, I remember when Star Trek was awesome. Wasn't that great? And 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 snob uh, chocolate. Chocolate does not kill dogs instantly either. <clears throat> Should I tell the story? Yes. (laughs) All right. So I had a fat beagle once. This fat beagle liked to eat. Hence, fat beagle. Fat beagle named Peaches. We went out. I don't know where we were. Came home to find in the floor the bag for Reese's peanut butter cups. The, the regular size, you know, the, the singles. Bag was empty. This was a brand new bag. Had not been opened yet, and we come home to find it on the floor empty. I think there's, what, 30 in a bag? Something like that? All gone. Completely. Wrappers and all. Everything was gone. And we find Peaches, the fat beagle... In her bed, miserable, 
because she has eaten all 30 Reese's Peanut Butter Cups, wrappers and all. All of it. <laughs> We're like, um, you should be dead. Because chocolate in my chocolate in moderation it, it doesn't doesn't kill. If you just do it over and over and over and over again, yes, there's there can be some toxicity there, but you know, just a little teeny tiny bite is not going to kill them. This dog ate an entire bag of Reese's peanut butter cups and did not die. Honestly, I'm not sure why that happened. I, I I'm 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 really surprised that it did not do anything other than just give her an upset stomach and make her miserable. Yeah, wrappers and all. Wrappers and all. Everything was gone. And then some of it came back. Two o'clock in the morning. She Fortunately, she's in the bathroom on the tile. But uh, two o'clock in the morning. Bleh, bleh, bleh. Here it comes back. How'd that go again? Bleh, bleh, bleh. Michael with a $5 super chat. Thanks very much. Would any new listeners like to join in today? Otherwise, you'll hear me for three hours. Sci-Fi for Me TV needs to raise his ratings, not lower them. <laughs> well, you know. Thanks for that. You know, super chats are a way to uh, to support the channel. And we really, we really appreciate everybody uh, being here. Because there's a lot of stuff going on right now. There are a lot of shows that are live right now. I know Geeks and Gamers is on. Midnight's Edge is on. Um, uh, who else? Who else is on live right now? I think As is on. Everybody, everybody's got a show. And then of course you got Friday Night Tights later, and you got the the Friday post game uh, or post post flight with with Culture. Uh, Doomcock's got Friday Night Frolics tonight. So it's 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 busy. It's busy. I did see though that Geeks and Gamers had more people watching than Midnight uh, than uh, um, Mystery Science Theater three thousand right now. So, okay, um, good memory day. I I have I have good memories. Uh, I don't have a good memory, but I do have good memories. Uh, it's National Annie Day, so if you know anybody named Annie, uh, you can uh, say hi to say hi to her. Or him. I mean, Anakin Skywalker comes to mind. It is Robert E. Lee Day. It is World Quark Day. Tin Can Day. Gun Appreciation Day. World Quark as in rules of acquisition? Not not that quark. Um, it's it's quark, World Quark Day. It is uh, a day set aside to, speci- to celebrate... The delicious cheese known as quark. Did you know that there's a cheese called quark? No, but I'm interested. Sometimes spelled quark, mild, creamy, and much better for your health than regular cheese. Okay. I have never heard of quark cheese. It kind of looks like cottage cheese. It's also National Lucy Day. So if you know anybody named Lucy, I guess I should tell my sister it's National Lucy Day so she could give her dog an extra treat. Yeah. And it is Artist as Outlaw Day. So if you're an artist, uh, I guess uh, I guess you're an outlaw. 
All right, some news items. Nelson Peltz on CNBC yesterday talking about the Disney proxy war setting up and Jim Cramer, of course, asking some stupid questions and and Nelson holding his own. Uh, interesting stuff. It's four minutes. Uh, I do recommend that you watch it. Uh, they talked about it over on Midnight's Edge. This is, uh, this is Nelson Peltz basically saying the, the company is being mismanaged. There's stuff that needs to change. And so they've relaunched, they've reopened their uh, RestoreTheMagic.com website to talk about uh, the mistakes that they think Disney has made, the missteps and the mismanagement. It feels to me, I know they've only, they've only proposed two people for the board, Nelson Peltz and, and uh, Rosillo, but I would not be surprised if we get to a point in the, in the narrative here, in the story, where they start to nominate more than just two. Um, it could very well be that we get the entire, uh, a push for the entire board to get replaced, including Bob Iger, especially Bob Iger. Uh, Death Angel Shadow says, I saw the Pelts interview. I like him. I do, too. I, I agree with him as, as well, Weatherman. I really do. Uh, David says, Annie, are you okay? <laughs> Dave says, may the Pelts be with us. I think Nelson Pelts has got an uphill battle, but I also think given, given how much control he's been handed for this stuff, um, you know, it's been reported, you know, that Park Place uh, has got, you know, Jonas talking about how, how Peltz has got over 10% control. Some of the stuff that he's mentioning, and Culture pointed this out over on Midnight's Edge, Nelson has, Nelson Peltz has mentioned other people that have handed him control of their shares. He may have more than what we know about, in which case... He comes in and says, you know what? We control we control 15% of the stock. We we control more shares than BlackRock does. You're gonna dance to our tune now. And we get to the shareholder meeting, which is what, April? What's when's the shareholder meeting? I have to I have to look that up. Somebody look that up. When's the shareholder meeting? But we have the shareholder meeting coming up, and who knows what's going to happen there. It's entirely possible because Disney has offered their proxy statements, and Tryon Partners has offered their proxy statement. The shareholders could just flat out decide to replace the entire board. I don't know that that's going to happen, but it could. Meanwhile... We get a Disney, we get Disney and Star Wars, uh, not Star Wars, Disney and Lucasfilm releasing a trailer for the new uh, Indiana Jones, uh, Indiana Jones video game. What's it called? The Circle of, it's not the Circle of Life. Um, Indiana Jones and the Circle of, what's it called? Indiana Jones. And the circle of, where is it? Indiana Jones and the Great Circle. No. Is that it? 
I guess it is. Indiana Jones and the Great Circle. And it looks kind of okay. And the guy that got playing Indiana Jones sounds a lot like Harrison Ford. And then this photo shows up yesterday. Uh, this is Edward Curtis Sevis, senior narrative designer. And he says, we have the opportunity to tell Indiana Jones to modern audiences. And he's got the haircut. He's got the t-shirt. He's got the pins. And if this is the senior narrative designer, I'm not saying we judge a book by its cover, but if this is the senior designer, Danger Will Robinson, exactly. This is finding a date of April 3rd for the Disney shareholder meeting. All right, we will make a note. April 3rd. This is, uh, this is, this is troubling for me concerning for me. I don't play video games anyway, but if I was, and I saw this is the guy that's in charge of designing the story for the new Indiana Jones game, I would be concerned. Because you have the the, the shaved side head haircut. For those of you listening, I'll, I'll give you a play-by-play a, a -play here. You have uh, the t-shirt... The way he's got the, the dress shirt over the T-shirt, kind of like what I do, mm -hmm. makes me question my choice of doing this now. Um, <laughs> he's, got the, he's got the rainbow in the logo. He's got a rainbow pin on his jacket. I'm assuming it's a his. He, him. He, him, they. Uh, and his... Um, it, it looks like a potato. Sorry. Oh, that was the 2023 meeting? Indiana Jones, Snob says, Indiana Jones will be fine as long as they put, it, put a chick in it and make it lame and gay. There's a new chick in it. Uh, he's got a new, there's a new female sidekick character um, who does not look like, I don't think it's, uh, I don't think it's, what's her name's character? I think it's a new character, which step in the right direction. But yeah, there you go. That's uh, that's the new designer for the Indiana Jones game. And you know, okay. I'm curious now what this thing is called. I because Indiana Jones and the Great Circle. Okay, that's what it's called. And it's basically, it's basically he's he's discovering that all of these different artifacts from all these different places, if you line them up and you draw, so you, it all it all lines up into a big circle around the globe, which is an interesting notion, an interesting premise. Uh, and some of the gags in it are kind of fun. You you had a there's a there's a soldier that that drops a vase, and Andy's like, "Do you have any idea how old that is?" And it's it sounds like Harrison Ford. It really does. And that's exactly what kind of thing that Indiana Jones would say. Because his father already said it. Yeah, I mean, that, that it tracks. So, okay, maybe. I'm not saying it's going to be a terrible video game. 
I'm not saying it's going to be a terrible video game. But, but, uh, Disney just doesn't seem to be uh, figuring things out. Here's a, another thing this week. Carol Turner named head of production for Disney Entertainment Television. Who is this person? She's been with the company for a while. She's going to be in charge now for uh, for the TV productions. She's been there for a while, uh, but now she's going to be in charge of production operations for Disney TV Studios, Hulu, Freeform, and FX. And for those of us who have long-term memories or don't, she was part of a Zoom call. This is This was reported back in February of 2021. This is back during those times. Uh, where they were talking about inclusion. And down here into the article on Deadline, uh, she's quoted here, inclusion has always been an intention or a thought, but trying and planning is not prioritizing. We are producers, and if we want to make something happen, we can make anything happen, but we haven't made this a priority. She's complaining that inclusion hasn't been part of the, part of the plan yet. Once we decided to make inclusion a priority, it was actually easy it was really about expanding the pool we were hiring from. It was about meeting all the people that we didn't know that had the experience and expertise that weren't part of our circles. Once we opened our eyes, it's been a much more achievable thing that before seemed so insurmountable. Now, you could read this one of two ways. Once we decide to focus on the minority people, we found people that fit the checkboxes and, and, and filled the slots. That's one way that you could look at it. Another way that you could look at it, a more positive way that you could look at it, is once we opened up the possibilities you know, and allowed for the possibility that these people and minorities could actually have the skill sets that we need, then we have more candidates to choose from. There's a couple of different ways you can do that. A couple of ways you can look at that quote. So, but, you know, in this day and age, I'm kind of leaning toward the first one. Let's find how many people we can get to check the boxes off. All right, so here's what we're going to do. Wait, have you mentioned who the new inclusion person is? What? Going from Biden to... What? Have you mentioned... What? Anyway, all right, so so let me let me do this. I'm gonna put I'm gonna put the link in uh, in the chat for everybody to jump in and let's see if I do it a different way this time, maybe maybe it'll let me pin it. Pin, yes, I can pin it this time. That okay, so I guess I'm not able to pin the message if it goes through this uh, uh, this app that I'm using for. Uh, why is it not going? Okay, Odyssey is not letting me put the link in the chat at all. That's weird. Why is it not doing that? But anyway, all right. So it's pinned now. So uh, so let's let's rock and roll. Cam joining the program. Hello, sir. Welcome. Thank you. Happy Friday. Yeah, and to you too. Thanks. Um, I I'm happy to talk about anything, and I can stay as long as you like. Or well, I you said you had something specific that you've got a yeah, you've got yes. a theory to discuss. Yes, I do. And uh, this is kind of uh, based on what we were. Uh, talking about a little bit earlier this week, 
um, regarding the, the flood of, of content that uh, people have today. And of course, a lot of that is focused at the uh, kind of the younger crowd. Mm -hmm. um, again, this is, you know, I haven't written a thesis on this or anything, but uh, my, my thought is that uh, this is related to, okay, like uh, parents, you know, you hear it's like, oh, you know, this kid gets a car, you know, he's given a car, so he doesn't value what he wrecks it and things like that. And, and that basically scarcity and value are related. And when something is, is scarce or you have to work for it, you tend to appreciate it more. Yes. And I think the same is true for entertainment. We are flooded with entertainment that, well, I think it might be low grade, but, but that, let's, let's say it's high grade. But it's it's just you're 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 flooded with it all the time. It's always available, so you don't really value it. And and again, going back to when I was a, a kid, um, you know, with Star Wars, it's like I would have given my left arm for more Star Wars, you know, <laughs> right. uh, af after that first came out. And I I you know, which caused me to go and find anything that was similar. Um, you know, that's how I found Star Trek. I didn't know about Star Trek. Um, and, and other various sci-fi and, and things like that. And, and I find that whole exploration aspect of it, uh, of, of entertainment to, um, to be very fun and it gives you a great appreciation for things the, the same can be said for, um, if you, if you're a collector of things and, and the hunt for those things is part of the fun. If, if you could just say, oh, I'm just going to buy a whole collection. Okay, well, you have it, and you, you look at it, and it's like, well, that's neat. But you really didn't have much of an experience. And and it, it ends up diminishing the appreciation of it, I think. Yeah. And so, sorry for that long preamble, but I think I think there's something here in, in why um, – why entertainment is seen as the way it is and we can dismiss it easily and we, we don't like it, don't appreciate it. And then that, but it turns into a loop of, well, then we're just going to throw anything out because no one cares anyway. And it, it's, it's, it's leading to kind of a downward spiral, I guess is what I'm trying to say. So, so if I'm hearing you right, there's so much to choose from. We're, we're just picking the easy route. Is that, is that what I'm hearing? Well, that's uh, by default. I mean, no one has, you know, it's kind of necessity is the mother of invention. Thing. There is no need to ever need, uh, seek out entertainment because it's at our fingertips and in our face. I mean, it's it's being pushed on us, in fact. I mean, you barely have to pick up your phone before you're being prompted for by some attention-grabbing thing. Right, right. Um, um, <clears throat> whereas, again, in the past, it, well, I'll... I'll you can cut me off at any time, but the, no, an, an anecdote, an anecdote for me is um, in regards to Dungeons and Dragons. You know, I, it, I, I got wind of this game when I was, uh, you know, a preteen and wanted to, <clears throat> you know, find out about it. And it took me, you know, months to, to actually find anybody who knew anything about it. And even then, you know, that was kind of uh, tenuous. And then when I finally did, I discovered, oh my gosh, there, there's, <clears throat> there's so much more to this that I never realized that we didn't have the internet with, you know, advertising everything, or you could just look something up. Yeah. Uh, and, and that's kind of a running joke that, you know, is among some people I know. It's like, how did we know anything before the internet? You know, <laughs> yet we did somehow. We did. Yeah. 
but but discovering that there's all this other stuff behind something that you kind of dip your toe into it was just always a very fun discovery process for me and and now it, it just doesn't exist because we do have all this information at our fingertips right. so <laughs> scarcity and value are related i guess Oh, absolutely. I, I, I totally, I totally agree with that because the more, the more stuff we have, you know, we, you can just get it anywhere. And the fact that now we have so many copycats of the thing, what works, I mean, and granted, you're right in the eighties and the nineties, we had a bunch of copycats of star, star Wars and star Trek, but a lot of them were at least making a good faith effort. Not just let's get it out there on the internet and, and and be the first, be the fastest, be the be the earliest to catch the, the the attention on the on the socials. So I think that has a lot to do with it too. The social media and the and the twenty four hour news cycle and everything is you know somebody's got to be first. And so if if you've got a a new movie that comes out and it's a hit, we get twelve more just like them, and you end up with stuff like Rebel Moon. <laughs> We're going to bring in Sci-Fi Snob into the talk as well. How are you doing, sir? Sci-Fi Snob? Sci-Fi Snob? He's muted. There yeah, I just got to unmute myself there. All right, there yeah. you are. Welcome. It's good to see you again. Nice, thanks. Welcome thanks. back. Yeah, nice to be back. Um yeah, I, I got to disagree with what you guys were uh, just saying. I mean, I agree that scarcity, you know, Things are more value if they're valuable if they're more scarce. But I mean, in the case of entertainment, it's not, you know, the scarcity of it or it's, you know, how hard it is to find. I mean, it's the quality, right? I mean, are you saying that my my YouTube channel would have, you know, thousands and thousands of more uh, subscribers if I just put like, I don't know, like a hundred pop-up ads in front of it so that it would be harder to get to? Or I hit it in the dark corners of the internet, it would be more popular. No, it's got to be. It's quality. Quality is the first most important thing. Is anybody, you know, is anybody? If we had had, if Disney had put out all the MCU extra stuff they put out, if that was the highest quality ever, or the Star Wars stuff, if that was the highest quality, would those communities be complaining about it? No, they'd be happy. They'd, we well, want more and more of some of a good thing, right? Yeah, That's why I, we uh, eat more chocolate, you know, and get fat because uh, <laughs> it's good, right? right? It's the quality of that. I mean, there is something to what you say, but the primary thing is the quality. The, the problem is the with things like, you know, Disney, Star Wars, Marvel, whatever, is that the quality, they put more and more out, but the quality is very low. So that's, you know, nobody wants a lot of a crappy thing. They would rather have some, you know, one good thing than a lot of a, a crappy thing, but they would rather have a lot of a good thing instead of, uh, you know. Yeah, I think we're saying. Uh, I, I think what I was saying was was a little different from what you're saying because I don't I don't disagree with what what you're saying that that quality certainly is good. And I at the at the beginning of this I said, well, uh, you know, the quality's crap. But and I said, well, but even if the quality's great, I'm I'm talking about from the perspective of of a consumer that. <clears throat> That the experience of of finding things and and and, um, and and discovering these different things kind of at your own pace is part of the enjoyment. I, I'm not saying that it's it's just a quality issue. Um, and in the past, there was some universal greater quality. 
Um, I'm just saying that drinking from a fire hose, you, you're going to miss a lot. You're not going to be able to delve into it as much and, and really uh, have the time to appreciate something. So you're not you're you're not talking about the on the on the on the product side of things. You're talking on the consumer side of things. The the pace and the process of finding that stuff that you haven't discovered yet, because there's so much out there, there's a lot to miss. Is that what I'm hearing you say? Yes. So okay. It, yeah, correct. Even if the quality was high, I'm saying the experience. Uh, Again, it, it, you know, if I if I uh, have one great movie to watch, and 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 I watch it, and then I and then I watch it again, and I delve into it, and I really think about it and consider it, that's different from me watching three great movies in the same period of time. It doesn't mean that they're bad, or, or that I don't enjoy them, but it, it's it's more about the the flood of things uh, that I was trying to get at, not to say that you know the quality's just different. Right, right. I, I mean. Yeah, but it's. I mean, I don't know that that applies so much to entertain the the act of, of looking for something. Um, I mean, that applies to you know collecting something, that kind of thing. But you know, the I, I don't think you know entertainment. A, a, you know, a movie isn't better because I had to look, look, and look uh, to find it. I mean, there was some joy that I got perhaps in in you know discovering something that no one else knows about. Wow, this is really great. Uh, you know, telling people that, hey, you're going to love this, you know, very niche movie that is uh, that I found. But I don't think that makes the movie better. I mean, it's not a better quality movie simply because it was hard to find. No, I, I don't either. Uh, I, I, that's not what I was trying to say. Road Vagabond Life says quantity allows for niche audiences that will dilute greater audience numbers. I'm not sure. I'm not sure what he means by that, but I, but I, I think to your point, Cam, I, I understand how how it can be a challenge, especially if you're in that niche where not too many people are in your in your same circle, where you know you're you're a you're a big Star Wars guy, you're a big D and D guy, you're a big you know what fill in the blank, and if there's only one or two people around you that have any awareness of it, and you're right, before the internet, it was a lot harder to find this stuff. It was all word of mouth. It's like, hey, did you see this new game? You know, I found out about uh, Top Secret, for example, uh, the the RPG, <clears throat> because my cousin ha was playing it. You know, I found out about D and D because a classmate of mine had had run across it. And say, hey, we're putting a we're putting a group together to play this game. Do you want to do you want to jump in? I was ten. I was like, yeah, sure. Well, yeah, it's a new game. We'll play it. It sounds cool. It's got dragons in it. Let's let's go. Uh, Starfleet battles the same way. You know, you and you discover this stuff because you're having conversations with people about Star Trek or about whatever, and it comes up in conversation. Oh, by the way, I you know it's it's water cooler talk. By the way, I discovered this new game. It's how I found out about Axis and Allies talking about risk and how fun it is to play risk and then somebody says oh you play risk have you seen this other one called access and allies which is basically risk on steroids and yeah. you know so it is that stuff and i guess social media kind of helps a little bit with that but it also says you know you like risk here's this ad and here's this ad and here's this and do this 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 and you're right you get all this you get all of these different things 
that kind of bury the lead in whatever it is that you're trying to find. Well, let, let me, uh, it's funny that you mentioned that because that parallels a lot of the experiences I had uh, as well. But um, I, I know there, there, you know, nostalgia is, is a heavy, uh, is, is a real thing, you know, that, that, that influence people. Yeah. Um, but, you know, again, I have these very distinct, you know, this is just me, but these very distinct memories of, of discovering these things. And I, I would give anything to be able to go back to have that feeling of excitement and, um, uh, and discovery. I mean, so, so, I, so I, what you're saying is those were good memories, right? Because it's national I, good memory day. There you go. Segway right into that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to add Michael to the conversation here, but Cam, go ahead. Keep going. Well, that's that's okay. I, I, that's I can stop there. Oh, you're. I right. just, yeah. I, I don't think you know. Things haven't fundamentally changed, right? Human beings only have a certain amount of uh, time uh, and attention that they can spend on anything, and yeah. whether you got that through a friend. Or, you know, you get that through a friend who's happens to be a Facebook friend instead of, you know, a guy that you talked across the water cooler. I mean, there's we haven't fundamentally changed. The the Internet is the water cooler and it's just a bigger water cooler. So you have so much attention. You cannot spend that everywhere. We still get, you know, hey, I saw this show that is really good and uh, you should check it out. You still get that from from people and from whether it's at the water cooler or the internet water yeah. cooler. So I don't think that things have fundamentally changed. I mean, maybe, you know, Cam's just old and jaded like the rest of us, so he doesn't uh, <laughs> get joy from that as much anymore. I mean, no, none of us do, but uh, I don't think that's it's fundamentally changed. Right. No, that's true. Um, well, now, now Dave, Dave asks an interesting question. Could it be possible that more content results in less spent on script and production versus higher quality material requiring bigger budgets? The, the fact that you've got so many different things out there uh, and and they rush through. I mean, we see this in video games now. We're going to rush through, release the thing, only it's not finished. It's not it's not complete. Here's the DLC that you got to buy. Here's the expansion pack you got to buy. Here's here's the the update to fix those bugs. We're in such a rush to get all of this stuff out there. And now, you know, we were talking about it earlier this week, all these fast channels. There's over 1,500 free ad-supported television channels to choose from. Who's going to scroll through all of that stuff? And you're going, to, you're going to inevitably miss a lot of those nuggets that you might otherwise find if somebody sits there and goes, hey, did you see this? Maybe. I don't, I don't think it's a possibility. I think it's a fact. Yeah. I mean, look, look, at, look at what we get. I mean, you know, Disney's the the great example of that. Let's throw out a whole ton of Marvel-based movies or Star Wars movies, and most of them are crap. Yeah, because they don't spend the time and effort to make them good. Yep. Oh, you can you can publish crap and and people will like it. Anyways, yeah, well, you can. Um, you I can. I mean, to, look at um, look at Io9. Which is why they do it. I wanted to uh, present a center uh, sort of view, uh, and I wanted to start out with a very bad impression of a uh, supervillain. I am Brainiac. The value of your the value of your knowledge and culture will be enhanced if the, if there's only one person possessing it. <laughs> um, anyways, but what happens is that I think that people will always have an innate need to be entertained, and um, and and uh, many of them 
and many of the, those people will also want to be engaged uh you know with with the idea whether whether it's in playing a game or being at the water cooler uh and arguing statistics and uh abilities of players at sports games um i guess because i don't i don't do sports so i don't know that part but um but what happens is that what before the before the internet or before um or before Dungeon Dragons, or before um, uh, before blockbuster movies, there was always something. There's always been something for people to do, and what happens is that everyone will talk at the um, uh, everyone will talk at the water cooler or be engaged in those activities. Some of them um, people also want to be social and don't want to be by themselves uh, entertained. Well, most people, anyways. I'm kind of a hermit. At times, um, so what will end up happening is that um, before you know, before um, I guess you could say before Dungeons and Dragons, from a gaming standpoint, uh, miniature miniatures and uh, war uh, miniatures and war games were a niche sort of uh, entertainment. But what was um, but board games were a big thing back before. Uh, back before, uh, you know, D and D uh, and that. I mean, I I look at the uh, I look at the the inventories of types of games that were out uh, uh, by Parker Brothers and other companies long ago, and so that was what people were into. And there's kind of a resurgence of that now. Same thing with the same thing with sports. Since sports was everyone wants to talk about sports, and it's something that everyone can uh, tribalize, if you want, if I can use that sort of term, you can get to, you can form your tribe and go, yeah, go White Sox, uh, yeah, and death has, or as we Southsiders would say, and kill the Cubs every time we have a, uh, every time we have the Subway Series. Uh, between the uh, White Sox and the Cubs, because <laughs> that's what we say, anyways. Um, so that was my point. The the thing is, scarcity scarcity uh, uh, forces uh, the topics to forces the range of topics to be, I guess you could say, less less um, less topics. More people talk about those topics. Now that you've got more stuff, then what happens is that. Yes, we have an increase in population. Yes, we have an increase in interest, which goes back to your, um, you know, 1500 channels thing. Um, some uh, these things change and, that, and, and and that's fine. And yeah, for me, my my, my uh, favorite memories of games is uh, the uh, the first or second science fiction uh, role playing game, depending on how you count Traveler. Uh, which was which was developed in 1977, um, and was actually being made and developed before Star Wars actually came out. So, uh, for people who think it was done in response, uh, uh-uh. uh. <laughs> so, anyways, that's my uh, big. That was my big uh, synthesis rant. Uh, I'll just step back and let other people chat like normal people. <laughs> Uh, Dave says the first board game is said to have been invented 5,500 years ago. But I, I would, I would say though, you know, Michael, you were talking about, you know, a long time ago, miniatures and, and that sort of thing were a niche. I think they still, they still are. I mean, 
I don't know. You you have you, yeah. You have miniatures now with D and D and with tabletop stuff. Of course, you got the and little Warhammer. miniatures and, and yeah, you got Warhammer and you got the miniatures in Monopoly. But mm-hmm. you know, there's there's not a whole lot of people that sit there and take the time to paint their minifigs unless they are steeped in this stuff. So it's not it's not like you've got a really broad audience for that now compared to 10, 15, 20 years ago. No, but no, you're right. What I'm saying is that um, some things our niche always remain niche. Yeah. And um, but like I said, board games is the big one um, uh, because of um, all the Parker Brothers games that had come out for years and years and years before and and then um, the big glut of stuff that uh, Milton Bradley had, uh, started coming out with in the 60s and 70s. I mean, uh, a t- you know, uh, I still have, as an example, the Columbo, uh, uh, the Columbo board game down in the basement somewhere. <laughs> they made a Columbo uh, game? By, from, from, Mil- from Milton Bradley. Yeah. And it, and it's primarily, if I recall, it's primarily a card game, kind of like a concentration matchup, but yeah. still. Well, and and then you know you talk about quality over quantity and and rushing to get things out. Of course, you know that brings to mind for me the ET game, where it was you know this rush to get it out there and get it in front of of players, and mm-hmm. it was a terrible game. For some people, and it didn't, it, I basically killed Atari, and it was one of those things where everybody could get it, and people were talking about it, and then suddenly it was gone. And scarcity and and word of mouth and all of those different factors being being what they were at the time, you know, E.T. is, ET is always going to be one of those infamous stories, right? Well, there's so there's always the uh, what you would like to call the genre killer, yeah, and, or or jump the shark, you know. Uh, there's a cert, there is a point in time when people just go, nah, we're done with it. Yeah, um, you know, we've just we're just. It seems like because of the quality of the the superhero films, for example, that people are getting to that point, uh, or people have gotten to that point uh, because, well. You know, it jumped the shark. I, I'm a weirdo. I loved uh, the CW superhero shows for the most part, um, especially when, the, especially when they started doing the um, char- characters in one show uh, appear in the other show. Yeah, and it wasn't just a cheap thing. It's not like it's the only time that was done before. The um, back in network TV days. Uh, ABC did that with its um, with its soap operas. Um, we even had um, John Wesley Ship. Uh, I remember this because this was back when um, the soap operas were having um, were having um, what was it? One Life to Live had the, the uh, secret underground civilization uh, out in the Western Plains, uh, and a um, and you had this guy with a, a metal hand. And base and basically ran it was a mad scientist and ran a tribe of uh, uh ran a tri- ran a tribe of natives, um, uh, and things like that. And those were the quote normal ones. And of course, um, the Cassidine, 
the Cassidines in General Hospital, with, played by the great John Colicos, who, um, you know, he played Baltar. And yeah, also- and as soon as soon as you said soap operas, I mean, yeah, I I I, I get the whole crossovers and soap operas. They did that, yeah. but I never paid attention to any of that stuff. Uh, right, I was, well, I, I and, and I am talking about when it was the the weird sci-fi stuff. Yeah. That's why I'm still yeah. keeping in it. Um, but you, the thing was that you even had the um, my favorite one was John Wesley Shipp, who played the Flash. Um, he he ended up being uh, if I I think it was him. Um, he ended up playing some crazy. He ended up playing some crazy psycho who chased one of the characters from General Hospital through. <laughs> <laughs> through um through uh one life uh, through um what do you call uh one life to live and and basically and um and went and got caught in all my children no. <laughs> uh and this was over the course of like two three weeks so um you're, you know you're, your soap opera stuff is wasted on jason he probably doesn't even know who shot jr i do know who <laughs> shot jr i was there yeah. i was there in the i was there when it happened Maybe you shot him then i didn't shoot him Kirsten Kristen shot him. there Kristen but shot even, him. but even then and this was right when high school when i was able to get back um uh my last years when i was able to be, uh get home early to be to be able to uh watch them <laughs> which well, is why I even know about such things. And and back in the day crossovers were such a such a a unique thing. I mean, nowadays you you've got the CW stuff it's all in a big shared universe. But back in the day yeah. you had the you had the crossover between 6 million dollar man and bionic woman on different networks which was unheard of back then. And mm-hmm. then you had uh then you had stuff like Magnum PI and Simon and Simon. I think the the biggest the weirdest, the weirdest crossover for me growing up was Magnum P.I. and Murder, She Wrote. And I thought, <laughs> that's just such a weird, hang on, well, let me, what, wrap my head around this. I don't know. Cam, you say you had another example of something you wanted to share. Yeah, the, the uh, about board games was brought up. Um, I... I was pretty heavily involved in board games for for quite a while and again this is related to uh you know the delving into something and i've you know i found that uh you know a board game comes out and it's like wow that's really fun and it's like oh but i want i want something more and then you know many games have an expansion and so you know of course being enthusiastic about it you, you get that you play it and almost always the expansion is better than you know just the base game Right, and then you get to the second expansion. It's like, oh, okay, that's pretty fun. And by the time you get to the third one, it's like, well, now you're getting diminishing returns. Not because it's bad content, but because you've lost that sweet spot. It, again, maybe other people differ. Maybe they four or five expansions are what they prefer. But to me, it's it's usually you know that first or second expansion is where it's really hot and it's really all working together, and and there's there's enough there to explore. But not so much that you're you're missing things. Well, it's and- not just in games. Uh, I remember because when when Star Wars, uh, when the novels introduced the Yuuzhan Vong, for example, mm-hmm. uh, that to me, uh, I I lost interest because I was reading this and I was like, this is this is kind of dull. These these aren't this is not interesting to me because how how far do you go? 
uh, before you start telling the same stories over again. You start repeating yourself. But th- but this stuff, you, once you once you experience the Empire as your villains, and then you have Thrawn as your next villain, who's who's you know a brilliant strategist and all this stuff. And you kind of you kind of well, get all you that stuff. Thrawn, then you had the Vuzong. No, that's what I'm saying is is once you got to that point where the Yuzon Vong get introduced, your your Star Wars is kind of played out at that point because you can only do so much with the Imperial Remnant. You know, you can only do so much with Thrawn. You can you can only do so much with the New Jedi Order and, and teaching kids, and one of them falls to the dark side and all that. And you get to the use on wrong, and, and I was tired of reading Star Wars books at that point because I wasn't, I didn't have any interest in the use on Vong. I was like, this is, they're not, they don't measure up as villains to me. So I, I get your, I get your point, Cam, about you know the games, you know, sometimes the the bloom, the the bloom falls off the rose, as it were, as you keep going, and you get so much of this material. It starts to it starts to lose a little bit of its of its uh, uh, personality, I guess you could say. Sure, and and some of and, and I, I will fully admit that part of this is when something's new, you know, you form certain memories about it, memory day, and uh, and and it, it has that nostalgia to it that things that kind of are, are farther along the line don't. But just See, again, I'm ta- I'm talking about experience as as a consumer of these yeah. things. If it, you know any of you guys could answer, you know, go back to well, let's take Star Wars. It's like uh, Splinter of the Mind's Eye. I had that is will always be a, a fond memory in in my uh, in my experience as a Star Wars fan, even though it's completely blown out of the water. It's it's doesn't exist in the continuity, um, but it, it it remains one of those those most fond parts of the whole Star Wars experience for me. Yeah. 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 For me, for me, um, uh, my, when, in terms of expansions and that, my, my, uh, my favorite board game of all time was this, uh, was this game from the, uh, eight that came out in the eighties and they, they've, uh, they'd redone it twice. And it's this thing called cosmic encounter. And it was the, it was, and the mechanics of the game, in and of themselves is pretty boring. It's like, um, oh yeah, that's really trying to upsell it, Mike. <laughs> but um, it, the the thing is that that one went through nine expansions before the um, before they finally. Um, uh, uh, but it was the only thing that the uh, company Eon uh, that was really big that they had come out with. Then uh, there was another version that came out with by Mayfair Games in the. Um, in the uh, 90s and now um in the 2010s there's a new there's a new version that came out and somebody uh also put together a thing on stream but what made the the um the simple boring mechanics of the game so um uh people kept coming back for more was because each of the expansions basically broke the um rules of the um of the base game and that was because each of the um the basic idea of the game just uh try and get try and get um five of your counters on five on five other planets um that don't belong to you you know on your enemies planets and but what happens is that and then you play cards you play cards higher number wins 
uh, cards plus tokens. Well, what starts getting interesting is that everyone has an alien power and each one does different things. Like um, one alien has uh, each tokens four points. Another one has that the lower total wins. Another one had a um, my the one I always love playing. Uh, when you say about fond memories, I always love playing the whiner because um, because what happens is he has the power to whine and and you you have to tell the truth. But you go, gee, I don't have an attack card greater than a six. Will someone give me an attack card greater than a six? If you if no one does, everyone else will have to toss all their cards higher than six away. You know, or um, I don't. I only have four tokens. Can someone get my tokens out out of the kitty and back on my planets? If not, you're going to have to lower your total down to mine. You know. Let me let me ask you a question. So yeah. I, I've played Cosmic Encounter one or two times. Yeah. Um, do, do you? Uh, is that a game that you think? Oh yeah, the whole thing, all nine expansions are are the best. Or it was at some point in there where Did you jump the shark. Yeah. 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 Um, I think they, I, I think what happened was that I think they jumped the shark around, um, uh, in seven, eight, in, uh, supplement, in, um, expansions seven, eight, and nine. Uh, they, they, because they reached the height where it was kind of like, this is starting to get out of hand. Um, where you ended up having an alternate uh, an alternate deck of cards that you would throw in called flares, which would tr enhance your power into a superpower. So instead of your uh, instead of like cards plus tokens, it would be uh, and and your tokens are worth four. It would be cards um, cards times tokens, and each of your um, uh, and each of your tokens is worth four. So you'd get these weird, incredible numbers. There's, uh, there was the negatives. There was the person who would select, um, and that was like the height of it. Then they started adding the weird stuff, uh, the really weird stuff. They started ending, adding money. So you had aliens that had money powers. You know, like uh, you, uh, uh, he could steal. Uh, you had one who's the he was the pirate. The alien, on his turn, could attack one of your planets or attack your or attack your treasury. You know, and steal your money, uh, <laughs> and then they added moons, which uh, forced people to do stupid things like everyone must talk in rhymes until until the token is removed from this moon. <laughs> That's when they jumped the shark. Things that didn't have anything to do with the game. Um, uh, so yeah, let me you're talking about mechanics for a second. Let me let me let me switch gears for just a second i don't know if you guys saw this or not um this is a story that has been brewing for about five years now billy mitchell and twin galaxies have reached a settlement on his donkey kong scores have you guys seen this i, I did see the headline i didn't really get into it so this is our second now now billy mitchell for those of you who do not know billy mitchell is a gamer and he rose to prominence because there was a there was a, a story about him. I think he was the first to cross a million points on Donkey Kong, and had his scores stripped 
because Twin Galaxies, uh, there were some concerns that he was actually using an emulator and not an actual Donkey Kong game cabinet for his scores. And Mitchell sued them. Uh, His scores have been restored to the leaderboard-ish. So he's he's still on the leaderboard as part of the historical record of the game, but I think they're they're kind of splitting hairs and saying um, he's 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 kind of there, but he doesn't count when it comes to rank. His scores are there, but yeah, you know, I mean he's he's not in the top ten anymore anyway. There are people that have blown past him already uh, since all of this had happened. But he's uh, he's officially back on uh, the score record uh, with his uh, with his stuff for Donkey Kong. So that settlement happening. Is, let me. Isn't he the villain from King of Kong? Um, I don't the movie? know. I mean, he's yeah. been he yeah he, he's, oh, the he's an actor yeah. <coughs> he was portrayed that, as that. That's a B, that sounds like a BS settlement to me. It's um. Who was the who was the um, who was the baseball player that like was uh, that uh, I heard you know like I said I don't follow sports so much but there was some some baseball player that uh, that was like jacked up on steroids pretty much all the time. Mark McGuire. Yeah, and what yeah. happens is he he had record he had like records that that uh, will probably that probably will never be broken by un by non-steroid uh, users. <laughs> so, oh, um, I, you know, I, you Lawrence know, Griffiths, yeah, so Mark, Mark, Mark McGuire and Skip? Sammy Sosa both had, had that. Yeah. You know, so weren't his record, weren't his records, like um, his records are like, you know, pe- yeah, people can look them up, but the, but so what, you know, there's going to be an asterisk next to his name saying like, um, like he didn't really achieve these records. <laughs> yeah. It's kind of like, it's kind of like, uh, uh, other other things when when there's a result that gets questioned you just put a little asterisk by it and and keep going christopher hoffman joins the call as well hello sir how are you doing i'm doing fine how are you well i'm hanging in it's friday we've survived the week and it's still cold oh yes yes (laughs) definitely um i've got a the snow is reflecting off of the the sun's reflecting the snow off of my window, so I got this like huge bright <laughs> Rudolph the Red Nose Reindeer forehead now. So that's 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 when that. you that's when you wear a hat. And that's a, at least that's it's not raining in for. And that's a yeah, and that I I'm afraid that um, I kind of gave up on like the whole baseball cap thing because I uh, thought that I looked a little bit too much like Michael Moore. So um, <laughs> I didn't didn't want to didn't want to go down that route um so what's going on today speaking about you should lean into it (laughs) no possibly possibly um uh, since we were speaking about billy west um yeah billy has made this like whole career out of being the donkey kong champion and in fact he's uh even doing like cameos now where you can uh have him do like inspirational uh you know, speeches for you, like sort of motivational things. And yeah. you can hire him for like corporate events and stuff like that. And he, and his big tagline is, you know, the uh, world's champion of Donkey Kong. And so he's built this whole like brand and like trying to, you know, around this championship. And um, it's, 
always been in question whether he is the true champion, but he's, you know, I don't know. It, it's it's kind of like he's not necessarily, I don't know, grifting a little bit, you know, but he's trying to make as much money off it as possible. And it's uh, seems like it's actually become, there's there is no Billy West without me. Yeah, Bill, you Billy Mitchell. Yeah, Billy Mitchell. Excuse me. Yeah, sorry. No, that's Billy all right. Mitchell. Yeah, because Billy West is a uh, is a it is, voice, a voice actor. Yeah. Yeah. I apologize. There is no Billy uh, Mitchell um, with without uh, without Donkey Kong, and I'm... Billy Mitchell is is on cameo doing the, you know, uh, pay me so much amount of dollars. I think it's like four hundred and fifty or something like that, and I'll I'll speak at your, you know, corporate event or yeah. something, and then for like a regular like happy birthday, it's like fifty or sixty yeah. bucks something. By the way, well, Death yeah. Death Angel Shadow says that you could probably play a young Michael Moore in a documentary, kind of that's kind of the same way that Daniel Radcliffe played Weird Al. So, ah, you you could start doing cameos as young yeah, Michael like when, Moore when Michael Moore was entertaining. <laughs> Young Michael, uh, so, we have uh, young Michael Moore, and that Ro- Ro- Roger and me, that yeah. type of thing. There, you're sure. There you go. And that, go, okay. yeah, go well, chasing, go chasing. Yeah, I, uh, I particularly like the. Uh, I, I was right. going to say I particularly like the uh, the uh, rabbit lady from that and the sequel. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. No, I, I actually I was just going to mention that um, I, I'm I'm. Uh, I, I will not go out and get B-roll of me skinning a rabbit or, or having some elderly woman skin a rabbit for me. So, Well, that's good. Just, so feed, that's it, good. just feed it to the python. <laughs> there we go. Yeah. By the way, you and I still need to have a conversation about some stuff. Uh, for those of you who are new to the Uh-oh. channel, uh, Christopher has hosted in the past the Vault of the Killer Bees, and we do have uh, plans and discussions about more of those installments. So uh, be looking for that. Uh, B-movie like stuff, driving theater. No, 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 he's not. We just haven't had a chance to to discuss our plans yet. So Because mm-hmm. uh, we've been gone, and now we're back. And now I'm playing catch-up because now we got to pay attention to all this stuff again. But oh, you, yeah. were, you were still, you were still, uh, but uh, you were still uh, having Jason put put your uh, other uh, Killer Beaver uh, movies, or were those uh, old archive ones? Those were archives. Oh, yeah, that was well, that see. was stuff that ran during uh, Good Morning Multiverse, and we trimmed those out, and we're dropping. And as a matter of fact, I think I've still got maybe about a half a dozen of them or so that still got to get uploaded. So we're, I'm still playing catch up on that. So. Oh, uh, yes, uh, I think there's even a uh, Steel Dawn one from from back in the day. Yeah, yeah, with, so with we've, got a, we've got a few. We've got a few to do, so. Mm-hmm. But um, we were talking about sort of like expansions and, and board games a little bit earlier. Yeah. Um, I, I think one of the more successful sort of, I guess, rebranding of a board game would be the various uh not necessarily the monopolies but like the various uh iterations of clue uh for uh different like movies or television shows and stuff like that the one that i find uh really kind of successful was uh the uh penny dreadful uh expansion of of clue 
Um, so you've got, you know, the different characters of Penny Dreadful as uh, ported over into like the Clue operating system. And you have the different tokens and stuff like that. One of which was a, a, a blood-soaked uh, tuberculosis-ridden uh, handkerchief from, uh, from uh, Billy Piper's uh, character. And that, and that was one of the weapons that you could uh, find in, in, in their version of Clue. Nice. And so that was like, oh, hey, that's kind of cool. That's, that's really neat. It sort of like ties into the show, but it also works with the the model clue um then on the other hand uh you have like all of these opolis uh you've got like the simpsons opoly you've got um the there was like a doctor who opoly and stuff like that and and it's just I, uh, I I still ha- I have a I have a, a copy of the Star Wars Monopoly and I've never been able to play it because uh, the one the one that I have, you know, you have the two sets of cards, the the what is it, the treasure chest and what's the other one, chance or whatever. Yeah, you've got community chests and, chest. and chance. Yeah, and somehow I ended up with two of the same set, so I have a whole set of cards missing. And I suppose at one point, sometime maybe I should contact Milton Bradley Hasbro and sit there and say, "Hey, I need my cards." Maybe possibly. No, you should you should sell that on the internet for a fortune, <laughs> right? There we go. Yeah, a, 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 a printing mistake. Yeah, that's um, right. You make a fortune off that. And, what? And then... What? 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 We're talking about sports here. Hold on. No, is this right? <sighs> Sports Illustrated is laying off its entire staff. Oh, that's a shame. What in the world is, is it? The, I, I mean, I mean, Sports Illustrated's publisher. Yeah, well, no, Sports. it says here, Sports Illustrated entire staff was told in an email on Friday they were being laid off. This is a development. This is just breaking. Huh. There hmm. There were only two people left. The rest is all AI. Well, you know that it kind of makes you wonder, though, right? Because how many, how many, uh, how many of those people are are being replaced in all of these staffs? Not just Sports Illustrated, but but you know, you look at all of the different genre news sites that we that we look at, IO9 and the Mary Sue and 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 Collider and all that group. And who was it was? Uh, who was it was found out to have, have published a, an article that was generated by AI that was completely wrong on everything? Um, I want, it, was, it wasn't Gizmodo. I can't remember who it was. It was about a year ago. Maybe six months ago. And was, I, I, there was all of this where it was, no, none of this is right. It was a Star Wars article, too, if I remember right. And it was all completely wrong. <coughs> no, it was IO9. It was ironic because they came back and they said, um, "Yeah, that, we got this wrong. Oops." I want to say it was so IO nine. It should be easy then. You just do the opposite of what everything says, right? Wherever it right, says. right. But interesting, yes. Yeah, sports <laughs> Illustrated. I'm sure I saw that on uh, the Spider Man uh, Into the Spider Verse, right? Wow, that's the only way to get wow. zero out of a hundred is to know the answer to everything. Yes, this is, uh, it's just as um, I was going to say. It's just the 
uh, the storm of all of, of the different elements. It's not just it's not just the AI uh, part. It's the uh, uh, the downturn in our economy that's uh, that's that's you know doing all the layoffs, obviously. But most importantly, uh, in the case of all of these uh, website websites like uh, IO9 and that, and it's in turn coming into the publishing is is the um, uh, part about they always talked about venture capital where people where people how's it go where people are like so got so much extra cash some and are so loose with their money uh, that they'll that they will throw it into anything uh, that sounds like it's gonna it's gonna promise to make money and we see and then when t- it t- start, you know, but you know, you gotta wait. You gotta give it time for it to blossom on its own. It'll turn into something. And this is not a big surprise um, because we've seen it happen time and again. We saw it with the first. We saw it with the first blowout of video game, uh, vi- you know, video games and uh, and computers uh, around 1984, 85. Um, uh, I wrote a term paper uh, long ago about uh, the Japanese going all spend crazy on uh, real estate back in the yeah, uh, late '80s uh, uh, because they were, you know, they were so flush with extra money. We ha- we had the internet bubble burst yeah. uh, exactly from the same idea. People had so this was such a new idea, and everyone had such big, large amounts of cash. Yeah. And what did they do? Throw it into something that sound like, don't worry, we'll figure out how to make money out of it. And when t- and then when the time when the time came, the internet bubble burst and every and uh, uh, everyone that uh, invested lost all their cash. This well, is just I think streaming streaming has gone through that is going through that right now. But I think also you have in in a post pandemic economy where where uh, business and government leaders essentially killed our economy on purpose and destroyed businesses you have a lot of fallout that continues and you have you know whatever whatever you want to say on the on the political front you have stuff like uh, the DEI programs the ESG programs that are that are sitting there uh, creating an environment where the businesses are worried about uh, checking boxes on who they hire as opposed to making a good product. And, you know, Sports Illustrated is just the latest, latest example of all of these. different. I mean, Amazon's laying off people. Tw- uh, they've laid off people at Twitch. They've laid off people in Prime. You know, we've got um, uh, all sorts of things. I think Gizmodo was doing some stuff. Uh, Jezebel is gone. Uh, you know, YouTube, we got the news earlier this week, YouTube's laying off 100 people. This is just going to continue. We are going to get news item after news item after news item after news item throughout the bulk of 2024 of different companies laying off people because the economy is in the tank. Spotify just laid off a bunch of people. You know, Disney's mm-hmm. Disney's going to go through another round of it, I'm sure. So, yeah. you know, it, it this is just one more thing. Now we do there's there's some clarification here. Apparently, it's the license to do Sports Illustrated. Um this is the email that went out apparently uh from Authentic Brands Group. Uh the Arena Group apparently 
operates the Sports Illustrated brand. Uh, we were notified by Authentic Brands Group that the license under which the Arena Group operates the Sports Illustrated brand and SI-related properties has been officially revoked by ABG. As a result of this license revocation, we will be laying off staff that work on the SI brand. So if I'm reading this right, the people who are currently working on Sports Illustrated don't own Sports Illustrated. If that that's true... Great. If this is a license to make Sports Illustrated, then maybe possibly Sports Illustrated could come back. That's interesting. I hadn't noted. I I did not know that. Yeah, like so S, the Sports Illustrated was was outsourced. That's interesting. What if they crowdsource SI? What if they come back into whoever's doing it next? They said, "All right, Internet, y'all are Sports Illustrated now. What have you got?" <laughs> More swimsuit issues. Uh, maybe. Uh, Don Don Ranger Power in the chat. Welcome. Uh, it says, hello, all. Hope everyone is more phenomenal. Uh, hey, Cam, I was uh, blathering on, uh, and I see that you were asking about asterisk. asterisk. Yeah. Well, I, 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 was, I was saying in reference to, uh, to, to, uh, to Billy Mitchell Mark getting McGuire. his number. Oh, uh, Mark McGuire. Yeah, the records. I, I thought you I thought you were referring to the uh, the uh, uh, European comic. <laughs> oh no, sorry. That's getting uh, that's getting an adaptation. Um, TV animation, I think, is getting an animated series adaptation, or at least it was. It was announced a year ago, two years ago. I don't remember. By the way, you guys see that William Shatner got called out on the internet like he does. All the time, um, yeah. Somebody somebody calls him out because he did a commercial for the Commodore sixty four, and uh, apparently he's been talking about how much of an Atari fan he is. It's like I saw you do a commercial for the for the, for the Commodore Commodore Vic twenty or whatever, and and now you're saying that you were an Atari guy. Yeah, hypocrisy. I was like that was that was forty years ago. What are you talking about? And he says he says. The, the Commodore VIC-20 was the best personal computer of the 80s for the price. The Atari 2600 was a game console from the 70s. He's basically saying, all right, sit down, sport. So, of course, I put, my, said, uh... I put my photograph of, our, of my game console. I still have mine. Thank you very much. There it is right there with E.T. Uh, in, you in the you should have just said they drove a dump truck full of money up to my house. <laughs> That's, made a stone. Yeah, they paid me. Right. There, there's a fantastic Lego set. Um, it's it's uh, it's a luxe one. So it's like four hundred four hundred fifty dollars or whatever. But it is an exact replica of an Atari console system that you build out of Legos. And it comes with uh, you can actually uh, build cartridges mm-hmm. with the labeling and stuff like that for uh, like Space Invaders. And I think Pac-Man. Um, but when you open or take the, uh, the top off of the console, there's like five or six little mini scenes that you can create that you, uh, put inside the Atari console itself, including one with like a minifig in an old 80s style, uh, arcade playing an arcade game. Yeah. Yeah. It's, and, a, great, uh, a, great set. Yeah. it's a, it's a 200, $250 kit. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, now I remember. Not, I remember seeing that when I was uh, uh, going Christmas shopping. I think it was the was it that one or the or the uh, no, it was they had an uh, an NES, uh, yeah, a, a Nintendo for, for that because I was going Christmas shopping. My son likes uh, Legos, uh, um, and the thing is, I was like, I was like looking for that, and I was going, why the heck is this, the, you know, so much? And then the thing is, I realized because um, he he'd probably he'd probably want to uh, use the money to go buy uh, more ported cart, more uh, quote ported. Uh, emulated uh, uh, carts and stuff like that because he 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 knows a lot more about that stuff. I can't wait for the next Lego set of like people. It's like a bunch of minifigs and they're building a Lego set. <laughs> there we go. Jeez, man! I mean, talk about jump on the shark. Yeah. Uh, we were talking about expansions earlier and 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 different things. Here's a here's a piece. Let's get your get your opinions on this one. Dark Horse announces Critical Role Vox Machina Origins Four. It's another comic book from the from the gang over at Critical Role. Um, now, the, I guess you know this this could be considered a success that they've they've managed to take their uh youtube stuff and turn it into a brand i guess vox uh vox machina of course their their uh their show um but now we've got another another series of comic books written by jody hauser not a not an unfamiliar name um she's she's in that crowd art by noah hayes but here it is it's uh I don't know. What do you guys think about this stuff? YouTube, YouTube people getting, getting deals with Dark Horse. I mean, you gotta uh, milk the next big thing. Yeah, I go for milk it. it. I, I have zero interest in it, but uh, you know, maybe someone would like it. Yeah, Death oh, Angel well, Shadow I'm, says the cartoons are not bad. I haven't watched yeah, the it. Cartoon, the cartoon was fun and tongue in cheek. I, um, uh, I have largely avoided uh, fifth edition. Period, because I've got enough. As they say, I've got enough stuff already. So, um, but the the thing is, no, the car the cartoon was pretty cool. Yeah. It, it, it's really interesting with Critical Role because you've got you know the the Vox Machina version of Critical Role, which is um, like the cartoon um, uh, was, as, as someone mentioned, the the uh, uh, very tongue in cheek. Um, sort of like uh, the Rat Queens, the comic book Rat Queens, that sort of thing. Yeah. And I expect the comic book, you know, this iteration for Dark Horse to be kind of in that vein as well. You've got you've got the uh, the fans of the Vox Machina Critical Role, and now Critical Role, the the you know actual participants and and, and players in the YouTube show are trying to pivot away from that per se and in trying this new candle uh candela obscura uh yeah i've which, seen that game pop up kind of leans into cult of Cthulhu sort of territory and that sort of thing and it's not really it's 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 fairly new but it's not getting the same traction as the uh vox machina iteration of critical role and so it, it's it's interesting to see because uh, you've got these kind of like fantasy 
characters and it seems like when someone mentions Critical Role, they're going to think Vox Machina where they're trying to re-sort of like brand themselves as Candela Obscura and even coming out with a, you know, a, a new set of role-playing rules for this particular game and stuff like that that kind of leans into sort of um, zero engine like kind of rules territory and and, and that sort of stuff. Well, and, and Death Angel Shadow says there are issues with Candela Obscura from many reports I've heard. I, I, this is not something that I'm familiar with, so I, I can't speak to that. But if you guys know uh, some of the problems that have been reported. I know a little bit about it. Um, that, uh, Well, first of all, the, the book involves some chastising of players about how they should view the world, basically. And if you don't, well, then you know, you're not doing it right. Um, but there, it, apparently it's not very good. Um, it's, it's a weak presentation, uh, or, or the game is weak according to some, I have, I, I, I'm just repeating what I've heard, Right. but that's coming from inside the sphere of people that are favorable to that general group. So it was, uh, I forget who it was. Uh, uh, well, the, uh, it was one of the people involved in the OGL thing. Uh, you know, one of the YouTuber reviewers, and he was like, you know, and he gave a, a, what, you know, is purported to be an honest review negatively, negative view of it. And he was like, eh, you know, because he knew he was going to get flack for the, <laughs> for, for bucking the, you know, the trend there of, of his, his group. So that, that's what I know about it so far. Yeah. So what else? Could guys... also... Go ahead, Michael. Now, my comment was going to be, um, it could also be that they're, um, that they're expecting one, that people are expecting one kind of product and then they, and then they get, uh, 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 something else entirely, you know, they're, maybe they were expecting another fun, another sort of fun tongue in cheek sort of, uh, uh, self-aware game. And what happens is that, um, I have not seen it yet, but perhaps uh, Kendall Obscura is not like that. Uh, uh, and it's not like it hasn't. It's not like it hasn't been done before. Sometimes you have the, a, a good one-trick pony. I mean, <laughs> for entertainment, I was thinking of the. Uh, I was thinking of the other uh, ones that had been involved in tongue-in-cheek on its own gaming. Uh, Knights of the Dinner Table was, uh, you know, with. Uh, uh, it is with its satire and sarcasm and love for gaming. And then, um, oh, I forgot. Um, dark, oh, dark, dark tower. And, and the one that I like, which, um, the one, uh, another one I liked, which, um, I, I, it's out of print now, but it was really fun. It was, it was called order of the stick and it, the character, the, it was not, it, How's it go? It was well drawn. It was the reason it was order of the stick is because they were uh, essentially like stick figures and um, yeah, stick figures and triangles and squares and and whatever. And the thing is that the characters were the characters were in their were in the universe trying to def do their adventures and defeat evil, but they were aware of all of the game rules that were required. So they were like. No, I can't. I can't get extra points. No, I can't kill him. I'm a paladin. It's like, well, do you want to? Do you want to help me? 
and and it's like no no no, that's okay you can help me and then that way you get half of the half of the experience points so the thief goes and stabs and kills the uh orc kind of thing and he's like oh thanks man i feel like i just gained a level this uh you know, talking about, um, you know, changing things up and, you know, going in different directions. This probably is a good time for uh, Jason to talk about uh, Sci-Fi for Me TV 2 that you're going to open, which is going to focus on uh, fashion and uh, how to apply your apply makeup and do your nails. Isn't that? Uh, no. Is that correct? No, no, no I have oh. no idea what you're talking about. Fake news. <clears throat> no. No, that's, that's, that's uh, Culture Casino's uh, uh, culture boss. She's going to be doing a channel with uh, cooking. But no, not not. We're not doing any kind of a fashion uh, channel here. Not well, you have done okay, a so, stream though. So, so this we've done, a, wait, uh, we have done a what? A jerky and coffee stream. A beef, yes, we have done a beef jerky stream. We have done a review of coffee, uh, coffee brand coffee. Ooh. We have done that. Um, I guess we could do a, a recipe stream every now and again. Maybe I don't know. Uh, there's speed. also gaming books with uh with cooking and stuff. There's uh isn't there's like a a cookbook for Mage the Ascension. Uh, Mage the Ascension. There's also one. For... Yeah, there's several. There's several. <laughs> there Wars. are several tie-in cookbooks out there. Yes. There's, there's at least two. Uh, at least two in the Star Wars universe. There may be more than that. Uh, by the way, real quick, let me let me jump back to the Atari thing just to to let you know I'm 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 capitalizing on being the host here. We have an interview. Uh, with Howard Scott Warshaw, who was the man who designed the E.T. video game. He is credited as the guy what killed Atari. Uh, uh, R.J. Uh, RJ Carter at Critical Blast and I had him on. It was our very first uh, Blast from the Bunker. I put a link in the chat for everybody to go check that out because it's an interesting conversation. Um, it, not because... Uh, not because E.T. was a bad game, but how it be how it came about to be a quote unquote bad game that ended up destroying the company because that it was it was mainly about rolling it out before it was ready. It was it, we have a deadline. The movie's coming out. They want it done by a certain amount of time. And it, 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 that's, that's what killed it. He, he worked on it pretty much nonstop. Uh, and I think there was some, some health impact on that as well. Cause he was, he was spending so much time doing it, but yeah, uh, it was never, it was never completely finished. It was kind of like Star Trek, the motion picture. We got a We got a release date and come December 7th, the theaters are going to have something, whether it's finished or not. So, so yeah, that's go, pretty much the uh, every video game that looks that is crap. You know, ninety percent of it can be traced to uh, rushing the deadline and putting it out before it's ready. Yep. Okay, restore the magic. Uh, they are they are they are active on Twitter now, uh, and they have posted uh, they have posted this uh, this graphic. Let me let me pull this up because this is interesting to see. Uh, agree. Uh, where'd it go? Open image and new. This is their, this is their their list of the current board of directors for Disney. Let me blow this up a little bit. Where's my? Where's my 
just while you're doing that, so Restore the Magic is a group of disgruntled people who are trying to <laughs> restore, take over no, Disney. Re- RestoreTheMagic.com is the website that's been set up by uh, Nelson Peltz and the Tryan Group, uh, making the case that the current management of the Walt Disney Company are running it into the ground. And as you can see here, this is the list of their current board of directors, how long they've been on the board of directors, and how much the uh, the uh, Disney relative tiers of this, how much like how that? much the stock has underperformed on the on compared to the S and P five hundred. So this is not this is not the stock performance itself. This is the stock performance compared to everything else in the stock market on the on the S and P five hundred. So relative relative to all of the other stuff. How much this is underperformed? One hundred and sixty percent, one hundred and sixty-seven percent in the negative. I mean, all of these, just, pe- every one of these people should be fired. Every one of these put people. The stock should be chart when it goes, all it does is go straight down. I mean, yeah, that's all you need. Well, right now it's sitting but at ninety-two dollars yeah. and ninety-six cents a share, and over the five-day period, it's kind of bounced back and forth and whatnot. Over the month, it's 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 kind of jumped a little bit. Uh, but you know, six month period, it's it's relatively held steady year to date. I mean, there it bounces, it bounces. But you look at the five year trend, yeah, it, it's it's still a mess. And I, and I, you know, Peltz has got a, a an argument that it could be made that the people that are in charge right now are killing the company. I would, I mean, I'd fire everybody except that person who maybe has only been for a year. Maybe you give them a break because maybe they're, you know. Well, because none of them have any experience in entertainment. That's that's part of the problem. Uh, I mean, the current the current border the current CEO is is coming from Nike. These people don't have any any business running an entertainment company. Put aside the fact that the studio system, you know, you're making movies and TV shows. That's a that's a small piece of the Walt Disney Company. The Walt Disney Company mostly is in, you know, parks and recreation and entertainment there, but all of this real estate and all of these other companies that they own, you know, you, we've seen the charts and and they own just about a little bit of everything. But the people that are running it, they don't have entertainment related experience in anything. It's like it's like uh, you know Cam's discussed here before having Microsoft people now running D and D, and it's going to become all about transactional stuff. My and they've even said it: we want to take it all digital. We want to make it all about microtransactions in order to make money on this thing. That we're not making money on it. The people who are in charge don't understand the thing that they're making. And we've seen it with all of these different franchises, Star Wars and Star Trek and, and Doctor Who. You don't get what you have. You don't understand what you're doing with this thing that has this history. If it was a brand new product, that'd be one thing. But you've got something that's got a track record. You know, 30, 40, 50 years, 60 years of a thing. You ought to be able to look back and say, okay, well... This worked in 1974. This didn't work in 1982. This did work in 1990. What do the things that work have in common? Let's do more of that. 
No, I'm. I'll just take sort of a devil's advocate spot here. But uh, like my understanding is that, and I think we talked about this before. I'm not sure if it was here or somewhere else. We probably. But have. Um, the um, you know, the problem with your these giant companies is that you're getting you know you don't have a lot of people you can pick from to run these giant companies. There's only a small number of people who have any experience. Now, I mean, for my my perspective, I, I think that. You know, Disney could properly run if you were to, you know, if you were to get a CEO from anywhere, as long as it's a large, you know, transnational corporation, he should be able to run it, provided that he puts in good people in his various divisions. Mm -hmm. So, you know, if the guy doesn't know anything about making movies, as long as he's got a good movie guy and he puts them in the movie making decision and a good parks guy and puts them in the parks and, you know, they own sports, right? They own uh, ABC. They own, uh, you know, you put a good sports guy in those areas, like you should be able to run it, right? Because as the CEO, you're not, you know, running these little divisions, you're running the whole company. Yeah. So, um, you know, I'm just, I mean, obviously that's not happening at Disney because, you know, their stock is in the toilet. But, uh, well, it's you know, similar. Should be it, able to, you should be able to do it. It's similar to Steve Jobs' approach. He, he's like, I'm, I, I don't know how to make this stuff. I'm going to get the smart people and surround myself with smart people who know how to do the thing. And, and that's fine. And if the, if this board of directors were to at least sit there and say, okay, I'm going to walk the floor and I'm going to learn how all of this stuff is done so I can better understand how I can help them do it better. And well, I don't know that we've gotten anything uh, on that front either. Right? And, and the people that they're putting in charge of these different divisions, I mean, it's like this, this Carol Taylor person, you know, what's how many of them are focused on let's make good entertainment that's family friendly, that fits the Walt Disney brand that's been here for 100 years? Yeah, let's ask the question why these aren't the right people. I mean, it, uh, there can be no doubt at this point they're not succeeding, right? Right. That's their their job is to succeed. So they haven't. So who don't put care this why. person? Well, they don't care why. <laughs> yeah. Because they have and that. But but the stockholders have a right to know why and and well and not not only that but the board of directors has a has a fiduciary obligation to explain to their shareholders why okay yeah. you guys have been in charge for six years eight years ten years two years however long you've been on the board and the stock price is doing this and the business is doing this and the company's reputation is in the toilet you tell us why we should keep you why? Uh, why just, is the company not performing cares. the way we expect it to, and giving us a return on our investment the way it should? It's it. I mean, this is this is SEC stuff. This is you know, I, not necessarily fraud, but when you get a, a, a board of directors who have a fiduciary responsibility to to provide the shareholders with a return on their investment, and they deliberately choose to take action that works against that goal, that to me should raise some eyebrows and have some some investigatory agencies kind of taking a look. Why are you deliberately running your stock price into the negative? Why are you deliberately making things worse for the people who own part of your company? Uh, I agree with Snob. Firing them would be a good first step. Absolutely. 
absolutely. With prejudice, you're fired and you can never work here again. But it's, you know, it's, so why aren't they, you know, what you're saying, Jason, is, is correct. I mean, they have a fiduciary responsibility. In my understanding, that is, it is illegal and they could be charged criminally. Yes. If they don't, you know, if they don't live up to that. But yet, you know, where is the attorney general who's, uh, you know, or the prosecutor who's willing to charge them? I mean, it's obvious. I mean, the vast majority of the D, DIE stuff is has nothing to do with fiduciary responsibility. And in fact, you know, I mean, I think you could make a case and say anybody who does the diversity, inclusion and equity stuff is that's purposefully against, you know, the SEC regulations about trying to maximize the value of the company. And anyone who, you know, who does that should be charged criminally. I mean, you could you could make that well, case. I not think. only but, that, not only that. But they but, don't. Nobody does. Yeah, but not only that, but on on you've got the D, the DEI and the ESG stuff. Not only do you have the fiduciary responsibility to the shareholders, but you also have uh, labor laws and discrimination laws that come into play. And there was an article in Fortune magazine that ran uh, earlier this week, and I think Culture covered it a little bit. The headline is basically saying all of these companies are now scrambling to revise their policies and cover up the fact that, uh, that we were discriminating in terms of race by showing preferences to people of other race. And, and, and there's this, I mean, it's this, this house of cards is just starting to collapse. And, and, and 2024 is going to be a very interesting but, roller coaster for a lot of people. Yeah, but I mean, there. it's just, but how? Like, I mean, this has been going on for years and everybody yes. knows it. And yes. no one's denied it. Like, scrambling to cover it up. Maybe they are, but I mean, well, and I think, to, and I like, think they're how, doing that. Everyone knows that they've yeah, been doing this, but I years. think they're it's, doing you know, it now because I think they're doing it now because we're getting ready to go into an election year. There's going to be a transfer of power. There's going to be a change in ownership next year. There's going to be a change in management. And if, if the election goes the way a lot of people think it's going to go, there are going to be people in charge that are going to start investigating a lot of this stuff. Whether it goes anywhere or not, I mean, we're seeing with the House committees and all of their investigations, yeah, you're a bunch of talk, let's do something. But now you have the, the very real possibility, and I think people are starting to, to look at, I mean, you look at what's going on with Reedy Creek. You look at what's going on in Florida right now. If you take that and you expand it to all of these different companies, not just Disney, all of these different companies that have been doing this DIE crap for the last 10, 15 years, all of them could be in violation of federal labor laws. This whole thing could just turn into this giant can of worms, and I think people are starting to realize that. It's just like... It's just like all these girls who are thinking, you know what? Maybe it wasn't a good idea to have an OnlyFans channel. It's it's this it's this oh crap moment that people realize, yeah, I did this thing and it was it seemed like a good idea at the time, but and we're well, gonna I, have a lot of people hit that moment all at the same but, time. I think we're gonna have anybody, a national come yeah, to Jesus but, moment. But any any lawyer worth half his salt could have told me that it was illegal. How about that? Well, and, well that's... and lawyers were telling him it was illegal, but they did it anyway because they get this money from the government. And right. They so, well, it's, it's, it's part of the reason well, why there is get... no charges pending because the government's yet. pushing it. 
yet because yes. it, because but, th- at some point somebody else is going to be running the Justice Department. Somebody else free- is going to be running the the Securities and Exchange Commission, and you better bet the hammer is going to come down if the right people are in charge, as it should, because these yeah. people are doing illegal and fraudulent things. Allegedly, the, 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 I was going to say uh, to go back when you're when you, it was more a rhetorical question, I guess, when you were saying uh, how uh, how the people could uh, how people could get away with it. It's very it, that's. It's unfortunate. The answer is pretty simple. Though the um, the people who didn't the 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 people who don't have any voting rights with regards to the companies in the case of Disney and whatever, basically those people essentially have no voice. Or um, because period, so they can't really interact. The people who invest, the people who might might have a voice in the sense, uh, the people with the large. Uh, with the large blocks of shares, which may have the influence simply because of the sheer amount of money they've thrown in, uh, have simply been have simply been involved in it in terms of the money, if not in terms of the actual, um, uh, in in terms of the actual, uh, I guess you could say, agenda or message that, uh, in the case of Disney, they've been trying to promote, or you know, so they, essentially they've been in on it and. Finally, anyone else who might have actually had, as the you know, the legal term they like to use to have that would have standing to be able to complain about it and, and actually do so, simply do, simply did not have the money to fight Disney. It, that's all there is to it. Uh, it just it does it does annoy, it does enrage, but uh, it but that's a simple that's a you know when you break it down to its simplest, that's all there is. Well, that, I have to I is. have to wonder though how many of the normal everyday John Q public shareholders have have the working knowledge that they can bring some sort of legal action. I mean, at that point you're talking about a class action lawsuit. It's not just going to be one Joe Schmo who's got six shares who comes in and says, "I'm going to well, sue the could, Walt Disney Company." But that, he like could, said, but it's not going to go anywhere. Money. At, right. at, you know, in in that particular case, you have somebody like a Nelson Peltz who comes in and says, "Okay, I'm going to pull in 12, 15 percent of the control of the company, and now I'm going to go after the people at the top." That's how you change that. You got to do it from the top down, and that to me is a better way of doing it than having any government involvement come in and say, "You're going to do it this way." I would much mm-hmm. rather have. The company uh, reset itself through, you know, corporate action or, or shareholder action or whatever, rather than have some government flunky come in and say, well, you know, you got to do it this way because now we're going to come in and we're going to change the rules and we're going to tell you how to do it. I don't want the government interfering in any of this crap because the government can't do anything right. Well, the government screwed it up in the first place, right? Because they're the ones who are pushing this DEI stuff, right? Yeah. That well, partly yes, and and then you get something like Reedy Creek, where the government has let this thing kind of sit and fester since the since the the late fifties, early sixties, and now all of a sudden, oh wait, let's actually take a look at this. They're doing what? And, And you're getting a bunch of reset buttons getting hit because now people are starting to pay attention to this crap. 
And a lot of it has to do with the fact that Disney stepped in it in this article, this 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 whole battle on this on this bill that that Florida had with the the parental rights and education. If they had left well enough alone, like Bob Chapek wanted to, we probably wouldn't hear anything about what was going on in Reedy Creek. Because none of that stuff actually came out until the Florida's uh, Florida Attorney General and the Florida Governor said, "Hey, wait a minute, what what's this? What are y'all doing over here? Let's let's actually take a look, shall we? Because y'all stepped in it and opened your mouth when you shouldn't have, and now now you've now you've opened this box. Let's take a look. Disney has done more." to do Disney harm than anybody outside of Disney. Mm -hmm. Well, yeah, Disney went to war with the government of Florida and it's part of what's impacting their stockholders. So, you know, while I think sci-fi snobs view is, is a little skeptical about, you know, whether this is going to come to pass, I agree with that. But Jason, you're, you're right. What you're saying is what should happen. Yeah. Um, I mean, we'll the stuff, you know, it's like it's like Death Angel said, you know, it's criminal activity. Basically, what we're talking about, what what and and legal mindset has done a lot of this, you know, coverage of this on his channel. What the Walt Disney Company has been doing at Reedy Creek is criminal activity, and they should be prosecuted for same. Will they? Don't know. If the attorney general has got the spine to do it, I'd say bring them, bring them up on charges. Let's go to town with this, because somebody's well, got to have know, some comeuppance at some point. It, it, otherwise, you just you know, what's the point of having any kind of laws and regulations on the books anyway? Well, I think that's I think that the whole uh, thing. My my complaint all the time is that. Uh, or my personal view of life in general is there's no such thing as absolute as absolute freedom. And that is because um, I can't just enact, you know, the, 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 the not, not so nice people who like reading uh, key of Solomon and stuff would say, I will do as I wish. Uh, No, Uh, you you don't have, you can do that for only so long. And then, Someone's going to stomp on you or womp on you. And then the rest, and for the rest of us, we are constrained by our our voluntary ethics and morality. So what happens is that uh, people, too many people for too long have have exercised their freedom instead of exercising, instead of exercising, working and using their responsibility and um because the thing is one way of looking at it is that it's a philosophical thing oh my god (laughs) but i mean the the thing is it's a it's a spec it's a spectrum of um of where where do you where your freedoms and your ability to act and um where where do you put your limit or where is the limit put on you and how much of what you do uh, you must do um, for, you know, to be responsible for your family, your community, your city, your nation, whatever you want to, whatever the groups are that, that you ha- are beholden to. Because the thing is that you can't, you know, as humans, we can't just work at just as individuals 
after all. Otherwise, then what would be, you know, you can only play solitaire for so long. <laughs> okay, um, I, I don't know. You, I think you're talking about it like the libertarian perspective, but I don't think that. No, 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 because libertarian, libertarian, I'm not libertarian. No, I know what the, that is. What I'm saying is that, that there, there, if you look at it simply as a linear, I, I don't like looking at it as a triangle or, or, or that I simply like looking at it as a, uh, a, a as a line, you know, as a, as a linear spectrum from, you know, from uh, absolute lack of freedom on the one end or total submission of responsibility to, to society, um, to everybody else. And at the other end is your, per, is your personal freedom. Every, I think that very simply we've swung too far for having uh, personal freedoms without paying back in, in a sense, paying back into the system via being responsible to the rest of our society. That's all. Wow. I, I think a lot of people would disagree on that, but well, I, I don't think that there's my, any, see, I don't think the, there's really any people the, who are talking about, like from my understanding of you know American political thought, um, I don't think there's really anyone who are freedom absolutionists. It's no. pretty much like the libertarian, that area of the political spectrum pretty much agrees that, you know, your rights or your liberty end when they infringe upon the rights of another person. So I think that's a pretty much that's where the bar is. There's nobody, you know, further along on that bar. So yeah, not, your, your rights, sure your the, rights end where mine start. Uh, but there's there is I mean, uh, you know, Road Vagabond Life's got it. The Constitution is is not a document that says we're going to give you rights. It says we're going to guarantee you get to keep the rights that you were born with. And right. the you get to do whatever you want. No, except that no, except no, we're telling, no, you we're telling you what we can't. It's a negative. I know the Constitution is a negative document, not a uh, and I don't mean. As but a it's bad yeah, but it's not a negative document on, on, in terms of society. The Constitution limits the government and what they can do to you as part of society. That That's mm -hmm. what a lot yeah. of people don't that's understand. What, yes. It, yeah, that, that's the negative aspect of it. Yeah. it. Yeah. So it says the government can't do this. The government can't do this to you. Right. You have these rights. You know, they're guaranteed by, you know, God. And then you can't do these things to people. The government yeah. can't do these things to people. Christopher, you've got I a look on your face that you've got you've got a thought. Well, um, I, I, I was just going to mention uh, you, you were talking about um, the individual stockholders in Disney, you know, gathering together to you know, do a class action lawsuit, right. yep. no possible, the possibility of that. Um, unless you have, and I'm just going to use this name as it's a, a, a popular reference, unless you have like an Aaron Brockovich type lawyer that wants to go against the windmill <laughs> that is Disney and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, and, and do a, a class action lawsuit against the monolith. Um, it's, I, I'm not saying that it would be impossible to, to get something going forward, but it would be such a monument, monumental task to go up against something that big. And I believe that Disney knows full and well you know, how big they are and um, has been sort of like pushing their weight around for many, many years. Oh, sure. and, and somebody does need to kind of 
I was going to say put them in their place, but, you know, revive a bit of checks and balances uh, that way. Uh, yet you've got that whole big, you know, the big monolith that is yeah. Disney. I think part of it, I think yep. part of it too, is the fact that Disney is willing and they've got a track record of this, but Disney is willing to settle out of court as much as possible. There are, there are plenty of lawsuits that have been brought against the company, especially in the last five years or so. And there's, I don't know, what, five five that are pending right now that we know about? I mean, Julio Ormond's got one. Um, uh, there's there's the uh, McCarthy, uh, Karen McCarthy, who is suing them over the acolyte. You got, you've got like three or four that are sitting out there. None of them are going to see a courtroom. They should. I would love to see the discovery on Karen McCarthy's lawsuit, but th- none, none of them, That's none of them are going to do. All. They're all going to, they're all going to be settled out of court, and they're all going to be given non-compliant, uh, 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 non. Non-disclosure, non-disclosure agreements. Non-disclosure agreements. Nobody's going to be able to talk about it. They probably did the same thing to Bob Chapek. You can't talk about any of it. And and now we finally, he's he's finally showed up. He's finally resurfaced, uh, going on to the board of directors for, a, I think, a medical company. Is that what it was? Which okay, what? But currently in a crisis. Currently oh, in a crisis, right. yes. Yeah, because they're, they're having that battle with Apple. Okay, but you know, I mean, I'm I'm what? just a Canadian here. I'm not an American, so I don't know. But uh, I mean, my understanding of American of America is that it's filled with shark lawyers who are just waiting to sue a nice big juicy target like Disney and can't you know can't wait to go off and uh, well follow you're up right. a lawsuit. Hungry. You're you're right, but Christopher is also right. Historically, it was they're they're not going to get a, it's not going to work. So they they they'll go for something easier. I think where I disagree right now is I think Disney's in a pretty vulnerable state right now. They it's, and it's from multiple fronts, you know, that the, they have problems with the Florida government. They've got problems with their own stockholders. They've got problems with their customers. Yeah. And um, I'm not sure they can just say, yeah, you know, I'll pay you off. And I, well, they will, they'll try to do that, but I'm not sure that they're going to get let off that easily. Well, the other question about that is whether or not they even have the money to do it. Because in the discussion of the Hulu deal, you know, we're seeing that, you know, Disney doesn't have the cash to finalize and pay for their part of the Hulu uh, ownership that they're obligated by contract. The, The way this deal is, they've got to pay Comcast something for for that piece of of hulu and you know we've seen analysis about all of this stuff that they don't have the money to do it so you know now we've got you know now we're selling off the 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 owned and operated stations we're selling off pieces of espn we're going to sell off yeah we didn't go and get the deal uh for hot star in india anymore all of these different things that are changing because they have to find money somewhere i wouldn't be surprised that they sell pixar they might sell lucasfilm Maybe I I don't know. Maybe not. And but, as the final option, as the final option, they would have to if they have absolutely no money that they can, and they don't effectively because they can't beg, borrow, and steal from anybody anymore. Effectively, 
the only thing that they'll have left to do is give their the value of their company not not the money that they can pull out but their actual like uh per, i guess you could say percentage of ownership control however you want to call it which means that uh then that's the other thing someone now truly has their foot in the door to be able to look in and say yeah. hey we own we own 20 we own as a company 20 percent of disney or whatever the value would end up being uh uh yeah, we want to take a look at those books. <laughs> well, and kind and of that's what in. they're that's what they're worried about with Nelson Peltz and Tryan because As if well. if Tryan gets on there, they're going to they're going to open up the books on everything because they're already coming from the standpoint of you board of directors currently are mismanaging this company. And when they get in there, if the shareholders decide we're going to replace these board these board members with Nelson Peltz's people, now let's open up the books and actually do an internal investigation and see where all of this stuff is. Now Disney could also, in terms of the you know being strapped for cash, they could start selling off some of the more you know some of the less visible things that they own. You know the real estate stuff and the investments into various different companies that don't have anything to do with entertainment. But you're still you're still strapped for cash at that point. And if you have a board of directors that now starts to look at all of where everything is, it could very well be that Peltz's board people come in and they say, this needs to go, this needs to go, this needs to go. We got to trim this down. We got to trim this down. We got to cut this out, trim the fat and get the Walt Disney Company back to just being this company that it was. 20 years ago before Bob Iger started buying up everything in town. I mean, Bob oh, Iger, Bob Iger spent how many years spending money like a drunk Democrat buying Mar Marvel and Lucasfilm and Pixar and 20th century Fox. I mean, that's, my God, that, that deal. I, I, I still am flabbergasted that that deal went through. That's the sum total of his accomplishments. That's it, all. He did. Yes. That's Bob Iger's legacy. And now he's scrambling because he's realizing that he's not going to be able to save his legacy because he killed the Walt Disney Company. You know, the uh, the Roman Empire didn't fall because of one spe specific problem. It was a bunch of different stuff all at the same time that came yeah. together. Oh, yeah. And, and Disney owns Henson, too. It's, it seems that's kind of what you've just described to me. Like, I think it sounds like it. A bunch well, of fairly large problems all coming together at the same time. It is. I mean, it's, you know, these are chickens coming home to roost. And I think, <clears throat> I think a lot of scrutiny started after Bob Chapek's ouster because of how it happened. Now, if they had just sat there and on a regular business day, part of the regular news cycle, they said, you know what? We had originally decided to give Bob Chapek a new contract because they had just given him that new three-year contract. And they said, we have absolutely all the faith in the world in Bob Chapek. He's going to fix things. We're going to go. And Bob Chapek mm -hmm. had a plan. And as, as soon as this FTX crap opened up, now suddenly there's some kind of a panic. And I'm not saying the two were connected. I'm saying the timing was coincidental. That this FTX stuff opened up. And then all of a sudden, on a Sunday night... Bob yeah, Chapek usually... gets fired while he's about, you know, before he's about to make an appearance at an Elton John thing, they pull the rug on him and they say, you're out. Why did yeah, it go you... down like that? 
usually usually in uh usually in the corporate world you get you get laid off on a you get laid off on a friday and the uh and the, and they let you um and they give you and they give you about 30 minutes for you to pack your uh pack your box full of stuff yeah. And, and and for the big wigs, they usually do that. Um, they usually do that right after the after the markets have closed, so that way there is no panic uh, buying or selling based on whatever's advantageous. They let people let it sit and simmer over the weekend. Let the international markets handle let the international markets ha uh, handle it as a kind of like precursor yeah. for what happens when uh, Wall Street opens up on Monday morning. Well, and then what? Six months later, Christine McCarthy, who was who was instrumental in getting Bob Chapek fired, because she, remember she's the chief financial officer. She knows where all the numbers are supposed to be. She knows what's in the books, and she leaves. Whether that was her idea or not uh, is is a question that some people have, but she was one of Iger's people, and now she's gone. Victoria Alonso was gone. You know, and it, it starts and the scrutiny happens and then the, the, the whole thing with 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 Florida opens up with the Reedy Creek stuff and Julia Ormond's lawsuit and Karen McCarthy's lawsuit and all of these different things just start happening just one right after the other. The hits just keep on coming. I think Bob Iger is panicking. I think Bob Iger is in a position right now where he is so stressed because he is not going to be able to save his legacy, which means we're not going to get President Bob Iger. Thank you very much. And I am so glad about that. Time, time Sorry, for my Jim. bad joke. Time for my bad joke for the day. I just had a great idea for for uh, for a new short for a new short cartoon. We could uh, we could uh, do Steamboat Iger. And you have, and you have, and instead of it being a, uh, instead of it being, uh, 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 what do you call it, Steamboat Willie uh, piloting the ship, it'll be, it'll be like you know that, except with Iger's face on it. And what happens is that really, it's not so much that it's really Mickey Mouse, and that it's a ship, a ship full of happy little animals. It's now going to be a ship full of rats all. <laughs> jumping overboard as fast as they can and, and, you, some, and, days it, some days and it some days it feels like whistling. that yeah yeah and just sorry just on that on that note uh, i gotta get going um gotta get ready for poker tonight so uh oh have fun thank you and Priorities. i'll uh i'll uh see nice you guys talk. later i'm nice out. talking to you all right good to have you in thank here you. Tom. nice seeing you that's uh okay so there's a line open Operators are standing by. Anybody wants to jump in here, the link is in the is in the the chat uh, pinned to the top. So anybody gets here, I don't know. I mean, the next six months we get we get from here to the shareholder meeting. Uh, I'm really curious just how much else is going to come out that puts yeah. Disney in a more precarious position than what they're in now. Well, Jason, do you. Sorry, uh, do you remember uh, before the hiatus, we had a discussion, it was mostly around Disney, but uh, a little more broad, and that was that that I, I I thought that maybe these companies were getting to the point where they could, they weren't free enough to give the middle finger to their customers anymore, that the financial situation was starting to, you know, get tighter, where they couldn't be blowing us off so easily. Right. And I, I think that's continuing on that path and 
And that's another component of the whole thing with Disney is, you know, we, we said they're not doing well, but I mean, their, their failure over the last year has been amazingly bad. Yeah. Well, the bigger the company, the, the bigger the company, I would think, the longer the longer it takes for uh, all of their uh, coffers to get drained, unless they truly are found um, uh, with malfeasance. I, for, uh, I forgot which was um, which company. Uh, what was it? The cell phone company that uh, that uh, ended up having uh, causing itself such big problems uh, back in the early uh, 2000s. Or was that Sprint? Was it Sprint? No, no, not Sprint. I'm trying to remember. It was, but um, keep wanting to call it CGI or something, but I know it's not that. Um, anyways, what happened was that uh, they they um, no, no, no. Now I remember. Um, it was the whole thing with uh, 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 what is it? Uh, Andrew uh, Anderson Consulting and all that before that, and and um. Because I try at one point in time, I tried to get a job at Anderson Consulting, and then, and then uh, while well, I was still working at uh, this other place, and then what happened was when they started having their problems, I was like, "Gee, I'm glad I didn't go there." <laughs> Are you talking about MCI? Yes, I think so. Yeah, I remember the thing with with the accounting firm scandal and all that, and then there was, of course, Enron. You know, as yes, well. that's what it was, Enron. Yeah, so. Um, so what happens is that, except, except for that, no, that's why you're seeing the. Uh, I would, my example was that unless you have something, someone that's caught like th- that badly, that quickly, um, the smaller company, the smaller companies are going to die. Smaller companies and uh, 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 what do you call it? Uh, interests are gonna are gonna get uh, killed first. That's why you're seeing. That's why you're seeing uh, Jezebel and Io9 and all the uh, and all of these. Uh, uh, vir- I guess you could say virtual journalism stuff. Not pa- finally now that the investment money is gone. Well, you see how quickly they're all dying because yeah. of that. You know, it's and for them it wasn't like you know like uh, it wasn't due to any kind of. Uh, trickery or financial things like what with what disney's doing um and been able to hold on for this long no for them uh, they're smaller because and because they had less money to work with in the first place no they're gone faster well yeah, and i think so you're right it'll, I think, it'll happen it just takes i, it just I think takes, you're right i think it's a matter of scale i think your your bigger companies like uh disney or or amazon or microsoft Apple, they're all they're all going to be running into the same kind of thing. Some of it is DEI ESG. Some of it is Bidenomics. You know, the the current economy is thrashing <laughs> businesses left and right, and the big and the bigger companies are going to survive a little bit longer. But they're laying off people left and right. Every every company we've we've got three or four news items every week about companies that are laying off staff. I mean, here, here we are today. Uh, Sports Illustrated is gone. And you have uh, more of that coming, I'm sure, uh, in, this, in this next year and probably in, into 2025. I mean, you know, the administration can sit there and say, hey, we added all these jobs this year, but out of context – you know, a lot of these a lot of these 200, 250,000 jobs or whatever that we added this month, 
are part-time jobs that people who are already working jobs are taking their second job because they can't afford anything anymore. So, you mm -hmm. know, there's a lot of context that's that's not there. And with these bigger companies, even with the smaller companies, we can't afford, you know, your publishing companies, we can't afford paper. You know, you have you have a lot of a lot of supply and demand issues that are still out there because of the pandemic, because of the lockdown and the house arrest that we were in there. You've got all of these cargo cargo boats that are probably still sitting at the ports because they haven't been unloaded yet. Yeah, don't forget the, and don't forget the new the new challenge with the um, uh, quite frankly, with the uh, co conflicts that are going on uh, cause uh, ha hampering shipping in the Suez Canal. Yes. Yeah. It, and there's that, too. The thing, I just seen uh, I just seen an article which explained uh, in, uh, you know, graphic detail or numeric detail, which I always go for stats on that, which showed basically the increased cost, you know, what gets shipped through the Suez from where to where. And if they have to go around the Cape of Good Hope to um, because they can't rely on going through the Suez through the Suez Canal, how much it increases the costs of shipping, which in turn all the way trickles down to us eventually yes. and how much we have to pay for our goods. Yep. Yep. Assuming that it makes it because, you know. They, well, if they yeah. avoid the Suez and don't get blown up, then yeah. Yeah. <laughs> don't yeah. make it. Yeah. Chris I was I was going to mention that. I'm sorry, Christopher. Uh, that, uh, Clownfish had been uh, following a lot of these uh, media uh, journalists, you know, and their collapse. They're, that's one of the beats that they kind of cover a lot uh, and with some relish, I think. Yeah. Well, and I'm seeing here, um, let's see, what am I seeing? Because I just saw a mention. Um, Hallmark. Apparently somebody at Hallmark is out. Let's, let me look here. Hallmark's gotten, gotten rid of somebody. Um, Go, Christopher, Christopher, you were going to make a point there. Go ahead and do that while I'm looking this up. Oh, uh, certainly. I, I, I was just going to uh, uh, sort of pivot back to what you were uh, you had mentioned a, a few minutes ago about um, the the people at the top not really having any sort of interest in the products that they're overseeing now. Yeah. Uh, as far as you know, like um, for example, Hasbro. Hasbro uh, just uh, laid off um, what close to twelve hundred people uh, in their D and D and Wizards of the Coast division right. on Christmas uh, with, Eve. In that so just, just Sunday, and, <laughs> and that, yeah, j just before before Christmas. Although the press release said that they would be staggering out the layoffs, you know, over the you know following months and stuff like that but the big announcement was just before christmas and um there even been press releases by um hasbro um higher ups that have said that um as far as like dnd goes they're trying to pivot that not only into like more of a micro transaction sort of based company especially in the digital end but also uh, make it a quote unquote lifestyle brand. Yeah. So you have all of these different, you know, merch opportunities and stuff like that, and just make it like, oh, hey, wow, there's that cool picture of the red dragon that's towering over the small knight. And everybody knows that. 
we're going to slap it on everything and sell it and and you'll be cool that sort of thing and they have no they have no basis or emotional you know basis as to okay why why did this become cool in the first place you know yes and it wasn't necessarily just because of the exposure on on stranger things you know it 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 was the the community bringing the you know people together and saying hey these are really interesting uh you know fun times that we're having getting together having this you know communal experience and then you've got as when the OGL was operating like it should have been um you would have the you know creators coming in and going hey if you like this we'll go ahead and we'll do like an underdark expansion and we don't have any problem with that you know and and we're okay if we make some money on it that's great but we're here this is a cool story for you know like your enjoyment that sort of thing right. and 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 i'm i'm not i'm not against profit okay or anything like that i'm i myself have a distaste for kind of the cash grab you know the exploitation the the mindless exploitation let's milk it for all it's worth that that cash grab exactly (laughs) because like for instance like um magic the gathering they've got a doctor who magic the gathering expansion yes okay and the thing is that as as far as i know you can't necessarily use doctor who cards in your you know core magic set yeah you know you've got to play doctor who's version of magic the gathering and that sort of thing and and it's just as i mentioned before with the opolis and stuff like that it's just slapping another intellectual property on a game that doesn't necessarily go with that intellectual property you know but as long as they're making money on it you know they don't give a bleep well you know half of it well half half of it is the um when we're talking about uh when the companies no longer care, when the companies no longer care about profit, you don't have to. You don't have to like your customers. You don't have to like your product. Um, uh, I, if I, I remember some of that going on with the. Uh, some of that goes went on with, uh, with uh, Star Trek before. Um, I forgot w- what the relationships were with the Redstones and, and, and uh, people, but be, essentially, the the thing was that. Um, I remember that Star Trek had been successful because basically the guy wanted to keep his hands off of it because he couldn't stand it. So um, someone will, I, that's how I remember the, some of the streams or something like that, that it was the fact that it, the fact that it went through its the fact that it went well uh, for as long as it, for as long as it did was simply because he wasn't because he personally wasn't involved in it at no, all. No, no, no. That's you're talking about. You're talking about them shutting Roddenberry out because Gene. Uh, well, Gene no, no, no. After after sh- shutting, um, who was the guy that was in charge of um, CBS? Not I know Sherry Redstone's now, and then there was also 
or dead, but there was that one other guy. I'm trying to remember, but it's not, see, I, that's what happens when you get old and you only remember half the stories. Um, but what happens is that essentially he knew that it's like, yeah, it makes money. Fine. Whatever you handle it though. The, the idea was that at least even if you don't like your product, you don't like the customers, you don't understand your product, but as long as you give the customers what they want and they come, the cash grab isn't such a bad, cash grab isn't such a bad idea. Now, if you want to comment on the quality of, of the products, yeah, some things are not a good match. Some things are not a great match. Like, like I don't see the like you were saying with Doctor Who, I don't see thematically how Magic the Gathering and Doctor Who work because I know, you know, I've played Magic and it's like, what are you talking about this mana? What are you going to use instead of mana for um, for powering up your cards in a, in a Doctor Who situation? There is no such thing as mana. It, uh, as a matter of fact, there's no such thing as magic as far as the, um, uh, as far as the uh, Doctor Who universe is concerned. No. There is no, no magic in the Doctor in the Hooniverse. So that's that's an odd match. But hey, what the hell? If if people are buying if people are buying it, um, then don't complain. Uh, so not you, Chris, but uh, but you know don't complain so much because the thing is, hey, people are buying the products, and it's not, and it's certainly they have other choices. Well, are you talking? Um, about, are you talking about Leslie Moonves? Yes, 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 yes. Okay. That's yeah. The, that was yeah. The name Moon, I'm trying to remember. Yeah. Leslie Mumez was president of CBS from 1995 to 1998. The thing is, um, being in charge, being the president of CBS, that doesn't necessarily put him in charge of Star Trek because the license, as it was going at the time, there were two mm -hmm. license, there were two Star Trek licenses essentially. You had the movies at Paramount. And then mm -hmm. you had the TV stuff at CBS, uh, UPN, and whatever. And whatever Moonves Moonves wasn't in charge of any of that. I mean, he's the president okay. of the network, but he's the president of the of the CBS network. He wasn't president of Paramount. Um, yeah, and and the stuff that was in production at the time, you had uh, you had Deep Space Nine, Voyager, Enterprise. Uh, start uh, next generation. That stuff was being produced by by Paramount Television, CB, or CBS Television. That's not less. That's not Leslie Moonves' direct control. And and whether he whether he understands it or you know he wasn't he he wasn't the one calling the shots on that stuff anyway. Rick, okay. Rick Berman okay. was. And when Rick Berman was in charge of the TV stuff, uh, you got all of the all of the different shows. And when Rick Berman decided that he didn't really quite care what they did on Deep Space Nine, and that might be what you're thinking about, when Rick Berman took a step away from DS9 to focus on Voyager, because mm -hmm. that was the new show, and then, of course, they had Enterprise come in after that, so Rick Berman is no longer directly involved with Deep Space Nine. That's when Ronald Moore and Iris Stephen Bear said, hey, now we can tell the war story. And that's when they got into the whole... Uh, 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 not episodic. They got into the whole, you know, big long arcs in Deep Space Nine, and that's when good. that's when Deep Space Nine really took off story wise because they were building to this thing, and Rick Berman didn't want to do that. Rick Berman still wanted episodic television, so that you know, so once he was out of the way, 
Now we can do these big stories that we want to tell. And and DS9 got really good after that. Um, but yeah, okay. Berman Berman was the one who was in charge because he took over for Roddenberry. Because Roddenberry at the at the time, Roddenberry when when Next Generation came back, Roddenberry was in charge for maybe the first or second year. And Rick Berman became the executive producer. Roddenberry got sick. Roddenberry passed away. And and even with the movies, Paramount shunted Roddenberry off to the side because Roddenberry was his own worst enemy. Roddenberry always got in his own way because he had a very specific idea of what Star Trek was going to be. And one of his mandates with The Next Generation that I think hurt that show was this mandate that none of the crew, uh, you know, the, 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 the core ensemble, you couldn't have any conflict between them, which to me was a just absolutely dumb idea. Because, yeah, because all of even the conflict, in the original show they had conflict. Right. And, it, and, it, and if you sit there and you say none of all of the crew gets along, then what ends up happening is that all of your drama comes from the conflict that's outside your core cast of characters. And so your core cast of characters now is all reactive to whatever's going on, and they're not driving the stories. And that's one of the problems that they had with that mandate. And they said, we've got to get Roddenberry out of this. Mm -hmm. So when he was out, then they, are, then they started to, to, to be able to do a little bit more with that. But you still had this ensemble that was kind of getting along all the time, and all of the conflict and the drama was coming from external sources all the time. And that's a problem. Okay. Whereas you get in with Deep Space Nine, you've got characters that don't like each other. At the very beginning, I mean, yeah. I mean, you watch that first episode, Emissary, Kira Norris is hot to trot and spitting nails at anybody that's wearing a Starfleet uniform. How dare you be here? And she's the, yep. she's, the, she's the, the co-lead. And I was like, oh, this is interesting. This is going to be fun. This is a good... This is It was a good show right off the bat. I mean, that show... Out of all of the Star Trek productions, Deep Space Nine was fully baked at the first episode, and it just yep. it just got better from there. Yeah, hey Chris. Mm -hmm. Oh, I'm sorry, Cam. I was just gonna say I love love Deep Space Nine. Yeah, it was that that was the best one out of all of those. I I had a question for you, Chris, uh, related to related to uh, Killer Bee movies. Okay. Um. Have you ever have you because and partly it's partly a joke, but part but partly serious since uh, Jason had mentioned it. Ha, have you ever done? Have you ever done? Or has there ever been a movie worthy of being being reviewed from uh, the Hallmark Channel? <laughs> since Ooh. he may, since, since he uh, since Jason had mentioned that there was that there was some kind of layoff or something going on with Hallmark, so I was wondering yeah. about all of the. Um, it's it's not necess it's not necessarily sci-fi or horror, but it sounds. But definitely, there are plenty of movies that that fall in that fall into the killer bee kind of. I I would think in some cases schlock TV or schlock films. Whether it's because of the production value, whether it's because of the production values, or the um um or 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 the uh, acting. 
or uh, the storyline or, or, or different things? Oh, 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 certainly. And and as far as the the Hallmark movies go, um, and especially sort of the 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 Christmas Hallmark movies, um, mm-hmm. that um, I <laughs> okay, I, I'm going to promote a, a, a another YouTube channel uh, real quick. Uh, Pushing up roses. Um, she's been around for about uh, close to close to ten years. Um, she has done a couple of um, reviews of uh, Hallmark uh, Christmas movies, and um, one of them uh, equates the acting to wet cardboard. Um, so, uh, if you if you're uh, looking for the the B movie equivalent reviews of Hallmark movies, I would suggest Pushing Up Roses. She also does um, that time on Murder the uh, murder She Wrote when uh, Angela Lansbury went off the rails and, you know, that sort of stuff. So if you're looking for some, like, wholesome uh, B-movie level reviews of uh, kind of cozy mysteries or Hallmark movies, uh, give give pushing up roses a try uh, for, forgive me jason uh it no, was just uh, in response fine. to the question i am perfectly well, fine talking about other channels that that's i don't i don't have any problem with that uh, um another thing that i was thinking about was um more along with our our kind of interests our kind of um you know fascination with bill shatner i remember that um just a few year a year or three ago wasn't he in like some uh some romantic comedy where he's like like he's uh a um where he's like a former astronaut or something like that who finally who's finally getting his chance at a senior romance uh a senior age romance and he finally has to come to terms with the fact that he uh that he's actually getting old (laughs) i'm not familiar with shatner yes that I thought I saw it and I was like, oh my god, this was fun and it was funny, because the thing is, it's like, um, because the thing is, it's it, it, it's funny to think that uh, it's funny to think that uh, it's a little bit uh, uh, too close in a sense too close to life on one level. I got it. I have to I have to look it up, but I remember. Oh, it, okay, it was here funny. it is. It's called Senior Moment. It came out in twenty twenty one. Yep. Uh, William Shatner, Gene Smart, and Christopher Lloyd. I've never heard of this movie. Yeah. After drag racing his vintage convertible around Palm Springs, a retired NASA test pilot loses his license. Forced to take public transportation, he meets Caroline and learns to navigate love and life again. I, I have never I've never even heard of this movie. I saw it. It was it, and it was how's it go? It was at turns funny, and then I and then when you um and then in watching it, uh, because he's actually being forced to um he's he's not playing he's not being quote Bill Shatner the uh, public figure he's actually forced to, into an actual acting role again. You know, uh, and the thing is, it was kind of, it was fun to watch. Yeah. It was fun to watch, and I I was wondering, well, hey, how did that one slip 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 past you guys? Well, because it's not a genre for one. Um, let's yeah. see, William Shatner is in it. Well, Gene, it's Gene Smart, Don McManus, Christopher Lloyd, Isai Morales is in it. 
Uh, Joe Estevez, I've worked with him before. He's he's a he's a nice guy. That's uh, Charlie Sheen, uh, our, our Martin Sheen's brother, uh, Joe Estevez. Um, I want to say Joe. Joe is uh, Emilio's dad, I believe, right? I, uh, I, I, I believe so. And, yeah. and he's also been a regular on uh, like a lot of full moon uh, movies, yeah, especially in the other Chief Thalassons. Yeah, it's low budget stuff that I worked with him on too. Uh, and and actually, the, the same movie that Joe Estevez was in, uh, Julie Strain was in it. Ah, you have you have not had a complete life experience until you have sat in a living room. Eating sandwiches next to Julie Strain in her underwear. <laughs> I I will just say that, and she, Julie was the nicest. She was she was great. It, it's a shame that she passed away. She passed away three years ago, but she was the nicest person. She was really really fun to be around. This looks interesting. I'm 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 I may actually have to watch this. I I, I had no idea, uh, Jason. You were living those. Uh... Uh, hard ticket to Hawaii uh, dreams over there with Julie Strain and, and Joe Estevez. That, that was in Dallas. Uh, that we shot. That was, we, that was in Dallas, and that was almost forty years ago now. So, God, man, where does the time go? All right. Anyway, <laughs> that was before Mrs. Boss. We hope. <laughs> oh, that was long before Mrs. Boss. That that yeah, that was that was that was many 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 sleeps past. Nice, nice person though. She's a nice person, and Joe, Joe, Joe is a pretty down to earth guy too. Joe, Joe liked to tell stories, but he he gets in there and gets the work done, and and he doesn't. He's not well. I'm Martin Sheen's brother, and he, you know he doesn't throw that around all that. He's he's, he's a pretty down to earth guy. He's a, he's a good guy to work with too. So, um, I've I've had some interesting some interesting conversations over the years and some different experiences. I worked with Captain Marvel once. My first feature film, I was the Brie Larson? I, no, no. The real Captain Marvel, Jackson Bostwick Jr. I was working, I, I was the key grip on a feature film called um, uh, Matter of Honor. We shot it, uh, we shot it at our college and our, our, our college film production class was, was the bulk of the crew on this. This became our project <clears throat> and, and Jackson Bostwick was the lead. Uh, Alan Arcus was in it playing the villain. And, um, and I, I got so frustrated. I, there were some times that I just was so angry because of how things were going. I was like, would you just, let's just do the job and get the thing done. And I, I had some moments of temper, I will admit. Now, I was, what, all of 20, 19, 20 years old. And, and Jackson gave me a piece of advice that I have kept with me all the time. He's like, never let him get to you. You know, it's, it's, just, it's just a movie. You know, he was, he was always calm. He was always just, you know, let's just do the job and, and don't let... Don't let personalities get into it," he said. Uh, you know, he said, "If you let them make you mad, then 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 they win." And it's kind of stuck with me. You know, he's he's just like you know, just just roll with it. You just got to roll with it. And and it, he was a he was very good to work with. On that, I can sit there and say I have worked with the real Captain Marvel. So, 
I haven't worked with Captain Kirk yet. And it doesn't look like anybody at Paramount wants you to work with Captain Kirk either. From the marketing yeah, stuff. I I mean, that, uh, what uh, what kind of atrocious decision making process is that is that to do that? It's called it's called we're gonna make we're going to make Star Trek for a new audience using modern using uh modern uh uh, value values and uh, uh, modern values and and modern themes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Speaking of which, just while I'm thinking about it, um, we were talked about it yesterday. I showed you the short film that I made that ran on the Sci-Fi Channel. I had I did find the high resolution version of that. I knew I had it. I finally found it. And I uploaded it to that channel over there. So it's it, that link is in the notes cool. for yesterday's show. So a higher resolution, better quality version of Species Felis Dominaris. So you can see my spelling error in the computer screen at the end. Yeah, Which, I was gonna, I, I was gonna ask for your channel. Did uh, was uh, was James Hunt uh, a member of SAG at the time? No, he wasn't. But he's not in that movie. He's not. He's not. No, in, but he, in he was movie. in other videos that I saw that you had made. Uh, well, yeah, he's he's been in some other stuff, but a lot of that stuff is not as an actor. <clears throat> Although he is in the feature film that I made, the romantic comedy that I made, playing the playing the little brother to the lead character, and that, <laughs> that was probably not the best decision that I made, but uh, it was it was a decision that I made. <laughs> But, you know, it is what it is. When you got limited resources, there's not a whole lot you can do. And that was not a SAG project either. But although I did have to follow some SAG rules on on some of it. <coughs> but uh, I had to use SAG paperwork because I did, I did use some SAG actors. But since we were terribly, terribly tiny, low budget, uh, some of the some of the restrictions were relaxed a little bit. So. I don't know that I don't that movie is probably never going to see the light of day really. It it got a little bit of distribution but then not. So it's just one of those things that just kind of sits out there in the past. You could tell some stories. And I shot that camera on I, I shot that movie on this camera that I've got over here. The uh the camera that I'm using for Todd. So Anyway, see, What's I just Todd, up to? Todd is Todd is just sitting in uh, in the chair. Uh, you can see him back here. He's he's just he's just here. He's just here. Right. So I'm still fighting this chair. All right, all right. What else has anybody got? Anybody got anything else? Uh, uh, were there any topics that people had in? I had to, I had shut um in order to keep my bandwidth going I had to shut off uh my uh YouTube tab does anybody in uh does anyone in the uh in the streams have any comments about topics that they were kind of commenting on I saw uh, before I shut it off I saw someone talking about turtles uh I don't know anything about what's going on with the turtles Death Angel Shadow just said something about Alec Baldwin Oh yeah, he died on the manslaughter oh. charge. Yeah, I saw that. Mm. Saw that. I didn't expect that would ever happen. Yeah, well, see, and that's I think that's part of that whole thing where 
accountability is starting to percolate a little bit in in the systems where people are sitting there going, you know, we have finally had enough of this. And your quiet people who just want to be left alone are fin- are, are getting to the point where they're not going to be quiet anymore. Okay, you won't leave me alone. Now I'm going to tell you about it. And and we're going to start seeing, I think, more of the more of the accountability come into play. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I've seen little pieces chipping off here and there. And, uh, well, it, yeah. let's say uh, it, it, it remains to be seen if it's going to turn into an avalanche yet. Yeah. <laughs> I hope it does because we need to correct some things. Yeah. Um, but the sign, the starting signs are definitely. Well, and I see, uh, I see Andre from Midnight's Edge is a guest over on Echo Base Network. He's probably talking to Coach. I find it interesting, <coughs> talking about that, I find it interesting that certain channels, and I'm not calling out Coach or, or any of these guys, but I find it interesting that certain channels will sit there and report on news and rumor coming from places like Bestman Bulletin, for example, or World of Real or, or whatnot, or star is making Star Wars, you know, Jason Ward over there, and they'll report that, but that same information comes from other places, and they just oh well, no, poo poo, dismiss, and and everything. So yeah, just just let's 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 be a little bit more charitable, shall I say? I mean, yes, consider your sources, yes, verify and vet vet the information that you get. But don't dismiss it outright just simply because you don't like the person that it's coming from. Except Mike yeah. Zero. Oh. Except Mike Zero. Mike, yeah, yeah, Mike Zero's a hack. <laughs> so you do have some st- some opinions My, and standards. Mike Zero has proven himself with a track record that says Mike Zero is not reliable as a source. I okay, I, so, I would be I would be perfectly fine if there was somebody at Lucasfilm that wanted to call me and say, "Hey, I'm at Lucasfilm. Here's what's going on. Go do it. Let's go. I want my own sources. I don't want to have to deal with this stuff second, third, fourth hand." So, yes, Christopher. No, uh, I I I was going to say uh, as far as like Mike Zero goes, is he on the uh, the James Summerton level of? unreliability or that name i'm not familiar with actually uh, i don't a, know who james summerton is very interesting topic that we could bring up on a live from the bunker all about um all about uh sort of like journalistic integrity as far as if you're making like deep dive pieces um and crediting your sources and um and spread of misinformation. Um, a YouTuber named H Bomber Guy actually uh, pulled the rug out from under Summerton, rightly so, um, because of Summerton's uh, inaccuracies and um, and actually stealing part and partial work from other creators to create oh. his own videos. And scripts I, and stuff I, like that. And, I'm and looking at the article on Polygon. I will look into this. Yes, I do think that it's a. I do think it's a worthwhile uh, topic for exploration because you get these YouTubers, and it not necessarily not just YouTubers, but you, you know, online journalists, on online bloggers uh, who are doing this. I mean, 
there have been plenty of times where we've shared material from places like we got this covered and what was the what was the other one that we were always looking at um we got this covered giant freaking robot though those two that were always say oh we got you know from our trusted sources our scoops and everything and we would always preface it with okay it's coming from giant freaking robot so take it with a grain of salt because we we you know hit they're hit and miss and you get these other places like mike zero or uh, uh the fan-sided group there was a whole group of them where uh mrs boss would be coming out with putting putting these articles in and i i finally had to sit there and say don't give me any more of these <laughs> because they're half of them were just crap articles and it wasn't it wasn't Mindy's fault. She's finding all of these different articles that are talking about whatever the topic is, you know, with regard to Star Wars. And so it was all this big info dump of all of these different links. And as we're going through them, I'm I'm noticing a pattern with some of these that are just, you know, regurgitations and other amplifications of things that don't have any substance, like they're not news. And, you know, a lot of it was opinions that was like, okay, we got to we got to separate some stuff out. But there are websites that have absolutely no uh, no regard for objectivity and and integrity. And I think I think as we go through 2024, a lot of those if they haven't collapsed already, Jezebel, uh, then then we could be looking (laughs) at some more some more that fall apart this year because. You know, again, that goes back to the DEI ESG stuff. The advertising revenue is burned out and gone. The ESG money is gone. The 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 venture capitalists are all pulling out. So you're going to get places like Vice, for example, that completely collapses. Uh, Sports Illustrated completely collapses. Polygon is is probably going to get hit with some stuff. You know, so I I would expect to find more. Maybe IO9 goes away this year. Maybe Gizmodo dies. Maybe because uh, Newsarama got folded into Games Radar, I think, what, a couple of years ago. Maybe that one goes away. I, they, we're, we haven't hit the bottom yet. I got an, I, I have an idea for, uh, for your, um, for your um, cast that's, the re- during the rest of the week have you ever considered uh have you ever considered having a having a a light uh that flashes across the top of fl- that flashes on when when you are talking about your opinions versus uh the the articles that you've read uh that you've that you've read or have found so like so it's kind of like warning opinion <laughs> Well, we have, we have, we do have, we or, do, no, hang on. We do have the disclaimer at the end of the show that says all of the opinions that are expressed are, are belong to the individual participants and they're not necessarily reflective of sci-fi for me as a brand or flaming dog media as a, as a, as a company. But I wasn't know, the, thinking of it in the, I wasn't thinking of it uh, in a serious manner. I was yeah. thinking like warning, Jason has an opinion. Well, you know, that's, that's <laughs> not a bad like idea, that. but that, that would be up pretty much most of the show. If I didn't yeah, have a guest, I, I, I would just have his the, the, Well, that and, 
uh, you know, this goes along with some of the wackier ideas that I've uh, that I've uh, brought, mentioned on Discord, like ha like having t uh, uh, Todd uh, hosting on April first, uh, or you know, or if you find a rumor that's disproven, do a sound effect like the uh, like the um, uh, uh, what is it? Uh, the sad trombone sound that you hear on game shows. Dun, 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 dun. I I used to have that when a, when a rumor when a rumor is when a yeah. rumor is found to be false. I used to have that uh, sound effect before the before the hard drive uh, collapsed. You know what website has just endured? That would be cool. You know what website has endured all this time and hasn't hasn't gone away? And it used to be the website that everybody went to. And those of us who are of an age will remember when this thing started. Ain't it cool news? They're still around, and this is the same format, layout, design that they've had for gobs of years. I mean, Ain't It Cool has been around since the prequel trilogy, folks. That's how long that they've been operating, and they're still out there, and they're still Ooh. doing stuff. Yeah, Harry Knowles, right? Harry Knowles. <clears throat> and everything, you know, people have been, you know, the contributors have come and gone. I think, wasn't Joe Glass a, a writer over here at one point? But, yeah, this is still out there. I just, I, okay. I can't believe, out of, out of all of the different websites that have come and gone over the years, ain't it cool, still, still hanging on. It's just, <laughs> that's something. Right. I do have an interesting uh, thing uh, to share that uh, I just found out about. Um, I, I don't know if, if the audience is familiar with the, the award-winning uh, fantasy comic um, Elf Quest by uh, Wendy and Richard Penny. Um, yes. There was recently an announcement in Deadline um, that uh, – um, actually, Modern Magic, the studio behind um, Into the Spider-Verse, uh, uh, is going to be developing an ElfQuest animated series. Yes, we talked about that. And it's been uh, picked up by briefly. Fox. We talked about that briefly on when? Wednesday? Yeah, I, I, I'm, I think so. I'm interested. I, mean, I, never read the, I never read the graphic novel. I never read the comic books. But ElfQuest was, ElfQuest was big in our formative years. And I'm I'm curious to see what happens with it. I'm really hoping that they don't screw it up. Um, from from what I've read, um, because I uh, have access to the uh, the it is called a matter of opinion, and it's written by uh, Richard Penny. Yeah. Um, and that uh, the uh, the Pennies are going to have uh, quite a bit of uh, their hands in the production and and creative uh process of of making the series themselves yep. uh, now that being said they have stated that um some of the designs might not necessarily be exact duplicates of what you find in the uh in the comic due to animation limitations and that sort of thing but um, they're going to be, you know, quite quite close. It's not going to be sort of like the, uh, you know, sh uh, just for an example, like the uh, the filmation 
version of Shira versus the Shira <laughs> Princess of Power differences, that type of thing. Right. Yeah. Well, and a lot of people have the same concerns about X Men '97. And mm-hmm. you know, you have Eric and his wife. Uh, I can't remember her name now. That the, they were the executive producers of the of the original show, and they've they've given their blessing to this new one. Um, and and Richard Richard Peeney over on Facebook has has talked about you know that they're very excited about it and and everything so far looks like they're they're really going to get this right, and one can hope that they do. So you know it. I haven't seen any interviews yet from the creative teams other than just the announcement. We're really excited and we're looking forward to it. So as things develop in that uh, in that regard, uh, I'm curious to see. Hopefully, uh, nobody steps in it and says, "Yeah, for the for the modern audience, we're gonna we're gonna really make this thing relevant," and and that's gonna kill it if they do. Yeah, that was that was the caveat that I brought up on on Wednesday. Even if the um, <clears throat> even if the um, original artists are involved, uh, it might be that they don't have nearly as much uh, creative control. Or in some cases, like Neil Gaiman said, "Yeah, we can go ahead and change things for for the TV show for Sandman." Well, you know, Rick um, Rick Riordan did the same thing with Percy Jackson. You know they've mm-hmm. they, they you know they've race swapped and they've gender swapped and and Rick Ryder's perfectly fine with it and even defended it and how dare yeah. you call him out for it so you know well well it de- it depends what in de- you know if you're doing it just for the sake of doing it and it doesn't really impact the character I guess it um I guess it doesn't ma- you know make all that much difference but in terms of uh compare you know comparing uh Sandman uh to comic f- to the tv series yeah I, I i know there's a reason why warner brothers uh in its uh it, because of how they kept that kind of idea of separating the can't have the same character uh kind of thing in both mediums why um but some of that stuff about changing around like uh uh john constantine for joanna constantine and stuff uh no that does make a difference because of the way the character because of the uh, way the character well, behaves. Well, now, now hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on. Because John can John Constantine and Joanna Constantine are completely different characters. Not just that, but she I was, mean, they she was they not swapped she, the gender, but they she wasn't. The, but yeah, but she wasn't a gender swap of John. She's a completely different character in the comic books. Right, which also which also co- was problems for, I felt for the show, and the and. Well, and, and that was a, that was like, more of a rights question than anything else. They couldn't yeah, use John. Well, again, uh, uh, as a viewer, uh, you know, like I said, don't like it. Yeah, no, I get, I get as, it. As but Mr. there Hurst was would say, I don't yeah, like it. I don't like it at all. But there was a legal reason why they couldn't use John. Yeah. So that 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 particular situation, you you've got you've got other things involved in that, not just well, we're just gonna. We're just going to make her. We're just going to, you know, gender swap this character just because. So, anyway, all right. So we're we're past three o'clock. Friday night tights is going to get started here at some point uh, when Gary hits the button. So we're going to go ahead and bail out. I've, I've got a I've got a meeting at four o'clock that I got to get to and, and prep for anyway. So that's going to do it for us, gentlemen. Thanks very much for jumping in and uh, and contributing to the conversation. It was a good conversation today. Uh, I'm glad Thank to you. have all of you. 
uh, with us, Cam for having and, me. and Michael and Christopher and Sci-Fi Snob, all of you guys in there. And for all of you who are here with us live, thanks very much for being here. Go ahead and hit the like button. You can join us on all the social medias. Here's all the places you can find us and, uh, and connect with us. And again, if you've got feedback that you want to give us, you can leave a comment. You can uh, you can uh, send us an email live from the bunker at sci-fi for me.com. And that's it for the week. Coming up on Monday, uh, the Pulitzer-nominated author Eileen St. Lauren will be here to talk about her new book. And then coming up on Tuesday, Dan Danford will be here. We're going to be looking in depth at the Disney Proxy War. So join us there for that. Have a great weekend, everyone. Uh, remember, the politicians hate you because they're afraid of you. The media lies to you because they're afraid of you. And God has a plan for you. There are four lights. This has been a presentation of Sci-Fi For Me Radio, copyright 2024, by Flaming Dog Media, LLC. All rights reserved. No portion of this program may be retransmitted without the express written consent of Flaming Dog Media. You're listening to Sci-Fi For Me Radio.